Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 190 here on Monday, August the 24th, 2020. Hope you're doing all right out there as we romp you through our season 19 finale and the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata. I'm still joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy doody. 190. One ni- 190 years. 190 years it, of OVP. Almost the bicentennial of OVP. Isn't it only 10 more years until our bicentennial. And man, it's like going to be the 70s or something. I right? can't wait yeah, yeah. for the mania, you know, commemorative cups and plates and everything. Oh, yeah. With our faces on them. <laughs> Absolutely. Like a royalty or yes. something. But folks, thank you so much for being with us. Whether you just started listening maybe in the last couple of weeks or maybe this is your first episode or maybe you've been with us on this uh, journey of 190 episodes plus specials. We're very thankful you're here and uh, sit back and enjoy as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. We have some topics in store for you as we always do, but before we get to that, I want to remind you if you have a Twitter and you don't follow us, just do it. It's at OVP Podcast. And what do you get, Quinn? Clips. You get the clips. A lot of them. You get random comments. Yes. Like, Discussioned, yes. Like there's, there's all some sorts of stuff over at the Twitter.com. Yep, drama yeah. free, drama yeah. free, just Dr- wrestling, drama clips. free things with Andre the Giant. You know, wrestling. You know, wrestling. We've been yeah. doing a lot of the SummerSlam, yeah, uh, this month for August, and we'll continue to do that every time we have one of the big fours. There'll be a lot of clips from the big four, right? But other than that, we got daily clips, some obscure stuff, fun times over on Twitter. Follow us there. Uh, also, if you want to shoot us an email, you can do that. It's at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is VP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the place to talk to you and me and hundreds upon hundreds of other retro wrestling fanatics for more drama free wrestling talk is where? Over at the uh, Facebook.com slash clips slash Facebook. Anyway, over there, there's a search bar. It allows you to search the worldwide Facebook. Right. Like, just <laughs> not not anything else. Just don't go on the search bar on the top of your no, browser. No, no, no. Go in the search bar on Facebook and type, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflooey. You hit the join button on the group, and then you're in. The operator's standing by. And they know. welcome you with yeah. open arms. They've got, like, phones, and it's just, like, lots of red lights on them. It's very complicated. It's sophisticated. Yeah. And what we do there, folks, is we talk about old wrestling. I know, it's a very highbrow concept, but th- see, what we try to do to differentiate ourselves from other avenues where old wrestling or current wrestling is discussed is we have one principal rule, which is don't be what, Quinn? A dingus. Don't be a dingus. Now, if you don't know what that means, you just think about it for a second, and maybe you're typing your response. Yeah. You can cuss. I mean, Will Smith doesn't need to cuss. Yeah. But just don't attack people, damn it. Yeah, use that cussing against, uh, I don't like, uh... Dino Bravo. Dino Bravo. Fucking you can, Dino Bravo. You can use it against him. We <laughs> don't care. Don't be mean to each other. That's right. the principal tenant there, and uh, just don't be a dingus. Have fun. We try to have fun talking about old wrestling. Uh, we welcome everybody there. Just hang out. Have a good time. Also, if you've liked OVP and you've been thinking about hopping onto Patreon... If you want to support us, you can do that. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We've got the pay-per-view reviews right now. Survivor Series 90 is the latest, which means for September, a little bit after Labor Day, 
We're going to be getting into 1991 coin. It'll be the Royal Rumble. Wow. And you can uh, catch up on all of those dating back all the way to the first WrestleMania over on patreon.com slash OVP podcast every single one once a month. And the best part, honestly, is it's just $5. If you can spare that, it, it, here's what it does. It supports us, which is really nice, but you get a lot of extra stuff. That's the yeah, point. Yeah, there's like 200-something things. Right. I mean, the more content, it's going to get close to 300 soon. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to support us and you want extra stuff, five bucks a month literally gets you everything. So if you've been thinking about it, maybe in honor of the finale today, mm-hmm. you just go ahead and do that. Yeah. And one more reminder, today is technically the deadline if you wanted to vote in the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush for next season on uh-huh. Facebook. However, maybe you forgot, you know, it's it's things are crazy. Go over, maybe you will find grace in the eyes of Joe Merkel, and if you're a little bit late, maybe he'll accept your voting. Oh, he's a very gracious statistician. Statistician. Yeah, statistician. Yeah. And he's a very big man. Six, yeah. seven. Big. Very big man. All right, Quinn. Speaking of big men, we've had big men, we've had little men. We've been talking about people all season long that, you know, if you look back in wrestling's history, a lot of times you will have people that start out, they're a fresh face or a hot young rookie, a top prospect, if you will, right? A blue chipper. This guy's got potential. He is climbing the ranks. He's going to make something of himself one day. A blue chewer. A blue chewer. (laughs) Chime me up. But sometimes, Quinn, these these guys don't work out for whatever reason. This hot young prospect just doesn't make it to the top. Maybe doesn't even make it to the middle. And all season long, and for the last time, we have been talking about those up-and-comers that never came. It's sad, Quinn. Yeah, it's the saddest <laughs> thing. It's so sad. Now, we've gone through a gamut of people. You know, we a gauntlet, if you will, A Quinn. gambit? We have not made a gambit, I wouldn't oh. say, but uh, maybe with this one, it is a gambit. We have talked about people like last week, Sal Balomo. We have done your boy, Scotty Riggs. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great one. <laughs> Alex Wright. Yes. We've done a lot, right? But this is the man that is the prototype the stereotypical he is the essence of an up-and-comer that never came we saved him for last have to save the best guy we always think of jim powers yes jim powers (laughs) wow okay (sighs) what a what a piece (laughs) i started doing a running joke on twitter months ago of always calling him a young up-and-comer specifically in anticipation for this he's one of the only people that i know who from beginning to end was called the young up-and-comer. Always. Always. Oh, listen to this ovation for the youngster Jimmy Powers. So, first thing I want to start with, right? We know him as Jim Powers. Right. Want to know what his actual name is, though? Jim Flowers. It's even- <laughs> like, what is it? It's even better. Jim Manley. Jim Manley? Yeah. Why didn't they use that? Right? That seemed. I think he would have been a hit if it was Jim Manley. <laughs> How is that really his name? It's really his I name. I never even knew that. Like, that's right up there with uh, Richard Blood, you know, which is Rick Steamboat's real yeah. name. It's like a really cool real well, name. If Ricky Steamboat was a heel, he'd be <laughs> Richard Blood. Richard Blood. And Jim Manley here, James Manley. Now, he was born in 1958, which is going to become important later mm-hmm. uh, as we remember what age he is. Yes. <laughs> but you want to know who trained him, Michael Quinn? I don't think you'll ever guess this one. Larry Sharp. <laughs> no, no, no. You uh, know? Who? <laughs> Big John Studd. What? <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make any sense. He was trained by Big John Studd. How old was Studd? Well, Studd was probably about, what, 10 years older than him? Yeah, 10 Uh, years older than him, actually. So he had time in the business. Studd did, because Studd debuted in the 70s. And young Jimmy Powers uh, was trained by Big John Studd. Now, you know where he's from? Minneapolis. East Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh, we know that area. Right down the road. Yep. From the Burns Meadowlands Arena. 
Now, Mr. Powers debuted in the World Wrestling Federation in October of 1984. Oh, my God. Yes. I don't remember (laughs) seeing him around until like 80. Six, maybe he's there like, the entire time. Now, but what? he's like he's on job duty for some of it. He's teaming with Jose Luis Rivera. Man, nineteen eighty four. We're getting up to him in our other thing. Well, that's the what I'm other saying. can in there. Let's think about October of nineteen eighty four. This is pre WrestleMania. Right. You know what I mean? Bob Backlund has just left like a couple of months earlier. Good. We're <laughs> we're still filtering out. We. <laughs> it's true. We we haven't even had like the second MTV special, which was February. You wow. know, we had the July one. So we're like slowly getting to the first WrestleMania, right, right. but October of 84 is still a world away in a this, lot of This guy, though, let's just talk about what he is, first of all. I mean, like, yeah, go he's ahead. got a good build, right? Very good, yes. He's got a good ponytail. Good, um, good head of hair. Good head of hair. It's a good Vinceism right there. You know, he's whatever in the ring, but it's not like the competent. worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like competent. Competent. He seems like, you know, we just, it, all we got to do is give him a gimmick and we're going to make a lot of money here, yep. right? That, yep. I think that's the potential in Jimmy Powers. I would think so. Groom him for something. You know, he was 26 years old when he debuted. It's a nice right. age to start your career. You're not, maybe not going to be something for a couple of years, but then right. you find your way. Young Jim Powers, the spoiler's opponent. And he did uh, briefly go down to Texas All-Star Wrestling, which we actually reviewed not too long Mm -hmm. ago, and World Class, and then came back to the WWF. And most people probably remember the WWF version of Jimmy Powers for a team called the Young Stallions. Right. One of these two little punks doing coming out to Jimmy Hart's music on the Pile Driver album, Crank It Up. Paul Roma and uh, Jim Powers were almost the interchangeable, like, hi! Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, With that's the- when Jim Powers had the more fluffy hair. Very always, fluffy. Yeah, it was very fluff. Th- that was when he was more young up-and-comer, because to me, that's the era where, like, well, it's okay that they're saying he's young, right? Yeah, it's in like, the name of the team. He looks young. So did Roma. Right. So this time period is fine. Yeah. And I have no issue with it. It's mainly post it right. where he's hanging around yes. in his stupid spandex <laughs> all the time. Where he's lingering around. Yeah. So as far as the Young Stallions, they were a team for about two years, uh, early 87 until the like summer technically of 89, right? Spoilers, they never did anything. They really never did. I think they had like one non-title win over the Heart Foundation. Great. That Wonderful. Thing. Now, let's be fair to them, though. In the ring... Like you were saying earlier about power, they're not bad. It's just they don't stand out too much. Right. That's he's, all. He, there's, he's got no like special move where you're like, oh man, I can't wait for Jim Powers right. to hit the something, something. Now, would you, you know? argue that the Strike Force, who uh, were formed you know, a little bit later in 87, or previously the Can-Ams, probably a more interesting team, right? Yeah. More veteran. Yeah. You know? Well, you got Tito Santana on the good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mar- Martel, too. But that's the thing. It's almost the same thing. So it's like, well, what are you going to do with another version of Strike Force? Yeah, but or they Can-Am? had tons of these guys, too. That's the other problem. And then they had like the Rockers. The, yeah, they had the Rockers. But I mean, there was like just a lot of young people, like the people who didn't have a gimmick yet. You know, like Scott Casey is hanging around and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, he is. I right. just mean to say it's like there's guys like Jim Powers where they're competent in the ring. They have a good build, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But Jim Powers is like extra lost in the mix. There's like nothing. There's nothing stand out. There's about nothing him, right? to say like, yeah, that's OK. Let's go. Let's right. give him a program with Dino Bravo or whatever. Yeah. No, but seriously, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So the Young Stallion split in the summer of 89. Right. And then Powers, yes, is just a singles wrestler. As Quinn very accurately put it, kind of just lingering around. He's just there. He's just there. Now, he doesn't really win much. I don't recall in WWF, would they sometimes have him beat jobbers yes. or was he mostly the jobber? Because it's it's confusing because there's so much WCW in my head with him. Right, right. You know what I mean? 
Great question. He mainly lost when he was facing people that mattered. Mm-hmm. He was actually the first person to uh, wrestle on TV against Ric Flair in the WWF. Wow. So September of 1991. The patented figure four leg lock of Ric Flair. Where you start yeah. is like fighting Ric Flair. That seems late already. Right. Well, yeah, because nothing really notable between 89 and 91. He might right. have fought. I think he fought Roma on the house show loop in 90. I'm sure they did that. After Roma was heel. Right. And Roma won, obviously. When he, was in, when he was the glory. He was the glory. Of the power and glory. The power and the glory. The power and the glory. But then <laughs> he like they started this push of Jim Powers like um remember like yes. you know like the ninety two push it's bad <laughs> where he has the slick ponytail right so the slick ponytail and era that's that's where it starts right with the happy like <laughs> like party tights or whatever yeah. like you know what I mean the like, trapper keeper yeah yeah the, the the that era of like look he's young he's got trapper keeper tight <laughs> like that's real like in the in like early nineties they're like look at look at those colors like it's amazing the neon you and know look, look at this hot young up and coming. When, like, he that, was in the young yeah, state like exactly. six years he's ago. He's not young anymore. <laughs> right. He's like he's not middle aged, but he's like he's old age. He's like in his prime. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's not. He, you don't. It's not young era anymore. <laughs> no, but uh, of course he's young. So that's the era where he would actually beat the jobbers, like <laughs> one of your favorites, Bob Bradley. Yeah. Like he would beat Bob people. Bradley is like another Jim Powers. He could have made this list yeah. too. Yeah, it's real. Jimmy Powers, very impressive here in Binghamton, New York. But it was that type of thing, right? Where he, mm-hmm. yes, he'd be on TV sometimes, but they never went anywhere with him. No. Remember like Chris Walker briefly from around that same time? You remember him? He Chris was like a big Walker. guy with like fluffy hair. I don't know Chris, Wa- That's Chris okay. Walker. You, I don't blame that, you. That guy seems even more indescript <laughs> than Jim Powers. Remember they brought in Lance Cassidy, which is one of the Armstrongs I can't remember offhand. Lance Cassidy, I remember him. Steve yeah. Armstrong, maybe. Yeah. Like that era where it's like, here's people, but we don't really care. They're, they're, these people are very like, Oh, it's an MSG house show in like the second match that you don't give a shit about yeah. or whatever. Put him up against Rick Martell or somebody exactly. like the shitty version of Martell. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And Lord Alfred says youngster a lot and Gorilla does too. There he is. He's come a long way. Yeah. He's like, no, he hasn't. <laughs> From where? <laughs> yeah. What has he been doing? <laughs> they, they, you know, when Gorilla says that, it always upsets me because I'm always just thinking like, it's always about somebody who doesn't matter. And I'm just like, what is he talking about? Right. Like, did he beat somebody that I'm not aware of? Like, you know what I mean? Did, did did he beat Bret Hart? Like, what happened? You know, I thought Jim Powers pretty good look. Uh, four out of ten in the ring. Yeah, yeah, but like, what, like what? What's Gorilla talking about? Is like climbing the ladder. They're in the opener, like yeah. losing. What do you mean? What ladder? And well, when? How? He's climb? assuming he's on the first rung. Yeah, like he's but it, <laughs> nowhere to go but up. Really? Yeah. If Gorilla says that, then they're always on the first rung. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Uh, so anyway, he kind of flatlined there. And he's still around in 93, for the record, okay? Right. I believe he's even on, like, TV, like, Raw and, I'm like, sure. the Cindy's if and he, stuff, right? If it's right? 93 and he's a young, young up-and-comer at that point, right. he's on Raw, you know, like, in just some match where somebody for real beats the shit out of him. Oh, my goodness, look at that! Jimmy Powers hammering away on the King Jerry Lawler! I cannot believe this is true. Now, I need to background this for you. I started watching wrestling in like June or July of 94. Right. Jim Powers was still on WWF TV in July of 94. Yeah. That was his last appearances. Considering how close to his WCW run that is. Right. 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 So this guy that was around all the way back when like Cindy Lauper was making appearances was still on television 
losing to like Quang and Owen Hart and people like that, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's his 10th year anniversary. Might <laughs> yeah. as well rack up the losses, right? I do not believe that Lex Luger was telling a lie as Quang is being challenged here by Jim Powers. Crossbody pressure by Power 2 and got a near fall there. And he finally called the quits in the WWF. Good. In a- <laughs> It was time. He's not young anymore in WF. He's got to go be young somewhere else. I can't believe he was there this late, though. October of 94 (laughs) on the house shows. Yeah, that sounds awful. (laughs) Is that insane? I mean, like, how many... Before Survivor Series. Here's the thing. At that point, like, how many gigs was he actually getting? Like, he probably wasn't making a lot of money. No. And you know who he was fighting on that last loop there? Who? Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. (laughs) (laughs) Seems very fitting. Right. Just, like, complete, like... Gimmick garbage. Right, right. Probably now, winning too. Abe probably won that match. Uh, he beat Abe. No, he was. Oh, yeah, he beat Abe. He was winning. Yeah. Uh, now I don't remember this because we've seen a little bit, but I guess only in '94 he ventured over to the AWF. You know, WWF Junior Junior. <sighs> that shit with yeah. Mick Karch with, and with Ola. Lord in the like Fast Times outfit and all that. I'm a fucking uh, fast food walker. I'm a pirate at a restaurant <laughs> now. Oh. And uh, apparently he teamed with Johnny Gunn, who stinks, and uh, he does. He's not good. That's Tom Brandy, like uh, Sal Sincere. Oh, boy. But, like the early version of him. He's another one, but we totally forgot about him. Yeah, Tom Fucking Brandy. Tom Brandy. God. Uh, but anyway, apparently Powers was there, and he swung by ECW very briefly in late 94. Extreme Jim Powers. Extreme. This guy has no personality, by the way, so he, there's no way that that was ever going to... Paul Heyman's probably like, what the fuck am I even doing hiring? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's one of those things, like, do with him? Paul's like, he was in WF, like, he's excited, and then he gets him, and he's like, what even is my life right now? Like, why did I hire... Like, I'm not paying you my parents' money. Like, get out of here. Ma, can I have a sandwich? Yeah, exactly. And then we get to WCW, Quinn, your yes. absolute favorite in yes. 1996... Let me just let me set the stage here, okay? <laughs> so on June tenth, nineteen ninety six, on Nitro, two very important things happened. Very important. Number one, Kevin Nash debuted in or redebuted in WCW right. wearing a hat and saying, Look at the adjective. Monumental moment. But really what overshadows that, right, truly, is Jim Powers took on Diamond Dallas Page. Yes, I, I was so excited about that one. And we all remember right. June 10th, 96 because of that. Of course. I mean, Jim Powers is in the annals of history as one of the greatest young and up-and-comer people of all time, and this was his moment. He's not like, going to go down in the annals. We all know Bash at the Beach. Right. Probably most famous, unfortunately, for Hulk Hogan and you know turning heel. Right. But see, if people were real historians, they would know that Jim Powers defeated Hugh Morris in a dark match right. at Bash at the Beach. I mean, he finally dispatched the Dungeon of Doom. Absolutely. They were finished off by Jim Powers. <laughs> and most people forget that they had a historic rematch from 1991 as Jim Powers took on Ric Flair the next night on Nitro. Wow. Crazy, right? Long you probably US rematch. champion Ric Flair. I think it is that <laughs> you know that, like where Ric Flair's like, I'm secondary now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And then Teddy Long entered the picture and scouted him. And we had um Well, Quinn, why don't you just take it from here? There's a stable that forms, but it's not really. It's stable. It's more just like they were on the beach at like that fucking place where Hulk Hogan was, you know, with the daughter on Baywatch or whatever. Whatever that resort, whatever that resort was with the little girl and all that shit. The one where he picked up the rock, right? Yeah. Thunder in Paradise. That's it. Oh, we're talking about that or the one where he's actually on Baywatch. 
No, no, no. I'm talking about the one with the resort with the it's, girl with the bowl cut. Thing. Oh, and St- yeah. Sting was on the show that right, one time. Right, it's the same fucking place. It's the same. So thing. on a beach is Alex Wright, Jim Powers, Joe, um, Gomez. Joe Gomez, and a, a bunch of various and the Renegade. And, uh, Al- Did I say Alex Wright? Yeah, also? and the yeah. Renegade and the Renegade with no makeup on, and they're they're hanging and banging, and there's just like this weird promo like where Shivani like throws to it, and he's like. He's like, check out these new up and coming young WCW superstars, and like it just goes to them, and they're literally just walking on a beach. That's all it taking is. Taking their shirts off. They're I not think, beating right? anyone up. Right. They're not doing anything. This they're just true. taking their shirts off. Some of them are wearing sunglasses. Some are not, <laughs> and they're just hanging out at the Hulk Hogan Hotel over there. And what's so funny about this is, yeah, Alex Wright was actually young. Right. But I think Joe Gomez, like 33 or something. I, I don't remember. <laughs> what is Jim Powers, like 36 or something? Jim Powers is 38. Oh, my God. It, it, no longer a young up. He's like, he must be like the leader of right. that group, right? <laughs> He's it's an like, elder for I'll, sure. I'll show you how to be a big fucking loser, <laughs> right? Now, we had the privilege of seeing him a couple of weeks ago when we reviewed whatever that. What did we review? Whatever uh, that was, we saw him, right? Main event. Main event. He was in the main event. Event on main he, event. He took on Disco. And in that, we noted that Lee Marshall, we shit you not, Lee Marshall mm-hmm. literally says young Jim Powers. Right, very young. Young Jim Powers under the tutelage of Teddy. Now, Quinn, we know that he didn't do much, right? Right. But do you want to know how long he was there? Like, when do you think <laughs> okay, he was I'm there gonna, until? I'm going to say it's very embarrassing. Like, it's like somehow, like, he's on... Saturday night or like worldwide in like 2000 or something if I had to guess. Well, you got the Saturday night. Yeah. Correct. It was actually uh, August of 98. 98. But still, he's 40. Right. Young up and comer. Well, they were finally, I mean, maybe that's the point where even WCW was like, okay, he's not young anymore. Enough of him, right? It's like he had two more years to be young. He fought a horseshoe. Remember horseshoe? Horseshoe. Luther Reigns. Remember him? Wait, he was in yeah, WCW as horseshoe. as horseshoe? Remember horseshoe? I don't remember horseshoe at remember all. Remember Luther Reigns? Yeah, I remember Luther Reigns in the WWF. Yeah. Like, but not, Sucks, not in huh? the WCW. The WCW. Right. Also, you know who else? I horseshoe. We need to mention this one. You know who else Powers teamed with sometimes? Who? Hard work, Bobby Walker. <laughs> or is Hard working Bobby Walker is oh my. It's another one. Here's a, here's a bunch of people like him and Ice Train and all that. They're all bad though. But all of these. <laughs> how do you like? How do you think that if we call him hard work, that's what's gonna? That's what everyone. Oh yes, hard work. Right. And and Dusty would call him hard working Bobby Walker. Which was the thing that was hard working Bobby Walker. The thing that I want to say about that is just on an aside, yeah. is that since Hard Work Bobby Walker was only on shows that Dusty called, I literally thought his name was Hard Work in Bobby no, Walker. No, I agree, because yeah. Dusty never said it right. Yeah. <laughs> and right here trying to make a name for himself, right here at WCW with a big boy playing there with Hard Work and Bobby Walker. Now, I'm happy to report, though, Quinn, that Jimmy Powers, unlike a lot of the other ones right. that we've gone over, no real incidents, no legal issues. He quietly... uh. He quietly retired. I guess he, he retired for a while, came back, and officially is retired. He seems like a guy that probably, you know, after wrestling, he bought a boat, and he just sailed around the coasts for, like, the rest of his life. And then settled in the Meadowlands. Yeah. Maybe just <laughs> parked the boat at the Jersey Shore and, like, 
I don't know, walk. You, know, you don't need a car when you're a young up-and-comer. <laughs> he just, just sits there and sniffs the air now. Of yeah. the metal and, and anybody that comes by says, remember that time I was with Paul Roma <laughs> in that team? Apparently they had like a Young Stallions reunion or something. Come and on. they like, did a signing. That's really cute. You know, <laughs> it's nice. Can I ask a question? Because yes. I wouldn't never look this up. But does Paul Roma still have hair? Because I feel like that's something that probably exists where he's like bald. I think he does, but he's looking like Bronson Pinchot these days, I okay. think. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. He looks like Balky. They should have like a reunion, like for real, but now. I like Paul Roma. I you, actually you really, really do. don't mind him the more time goes so on. So he did cut his hair short, I see. Yeah, I told you. He hangs like, out with fans and stuff. Bronson Pinchot. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Jimmy real quick before we wrap it up here. So, what? Okay. Two part question, Quinn. Right. I think we covered the WWF part, but let's just recap it. Because he was a part of a roster that included a lot of other younger people in both companies. In both companies, but WWF, right? At the same time, like we said, as the Young Steins, it had the Can-Ams or Strike Force. Right. And then the Rockers. Right. And then a world of superstars with larger-than-life characters, mm-hmm. gimmicks, and looks, right? Yep. Was he literally the best he could have been in WWF? Like, is that the top? He's the best you can be if you have fluffy hair or a ponytail. Yes. And, uh, he's the best it can possibly get. And it's, enter- it's like on fucking challenge yeah, or whatever right. like <laughs> literally yeah and enter to crank it up the jobber theme like yeah. the up-and-comer theme yeah or, literally i'm sure there was probably a point also where he just had something generically sax by jim johnston yeah. like a discarded demo uh, yeah now speaking of discarded demos wcw as a company oh come on now when he was over there what the fuck were they thinking like why even Sign him is my point. Well, I'm dead serious. Okay, I I have a theory why Jim Powers was signed to WCW because they like wasting money. No, oh why? No, because they have to fill all that like ancillary programming <laughs> because it's like a separate universe, and you know it's true. Like there's people on those shows that are not on anything. Like but, yeah, but- like and and because they had probably have like. 50 fucking syndicated contracts because WCW God. like was absurd with their syndication and like other like and TBS shows. extracurricular yeah. crap. Yes. Like they actually had to have like a secondary roster just to fill because that's what that was. Watch that show. There's a lot of people on there that are not on Nitro ever. Like Horseshoe. Yeah, like Horseshoe. <laughs> Like, it's real. But like, it's true. Like, Bobby Walker's not often on Nitro. Super Giant Ninja. Like, there, there's a lot of people again. on those shows that. They just are filling, and I'm telling you, like, they, they really, that's all that was for, and that, like, Nitro thing where they were young up-and-comers, like, if you think about it, right, they were on some Nitro matches, but really what they were directing you to was to go watch Saturday Night, and, right. like, so if you want to see these guys. I mean, we saw the proof of it with uh, Powers headlining that show against Disco. Right, exactly. The main event, which yeah. is, like, their CD show, by the yeah. end, probably D. It's like it is now, where there's, like, have you ever seen the the newer, like, main event WWE's yeah. C-tier? It's same like, shit. It's the same shit it's like you're like wow there's actually feuds on this shit like it's amazing actually stuff that's never acknowledged on the main show right exactly so with all that said with jim powers what do you think i mean he's not bad we established that right like he's not bad right he's not bad he's just there there was never anything to propel him even to like be on the normal regular shows let alone pay-per-view right I, like forget winning a title he, right. he couldn't even be on nitro regularly right exactly or like, you're not gonna carry a, even the mid card with a jimmy powers exactly he just didn't he didn't have a lot of charisma you're right he didn't really have much of a personality i can't tell you like any proper feud that jim powers was ever in so let me ask you a question here. Now that you have a little perspective, who's better, Paul Roma or Jim Powers? 
I sadly have to say Paul Rome as much as I don't like him, but he is better, right? Oh, he's better. I he's mean, the, he was in, he was the glory. He's <laughs> so he's got personality a little bit too, and he's like a little more flashy. Yeah, and, I mean, but they even would never, he couldn't they ascend. Ne- they would have never chosen Jim Powers to be in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> like, let's be fair. Yeah, right. Roma Roma is borderline as it is, obviously, yeah. right? But they would have never thought. You know what? Jim Powers. Yeah, Paul Rome is very fringe. But, he is fringe. But he, he's fringe enough that, like, Ric Flair maybe could teach him a thing or two. So you think Jimmy Powers is on, like, Tom Zenk levels? Oh, he's Z-Man levels, he's- yeah. It's <laughs> another guy that they fucking brought into WCW, and they're like, if we call him Z-Man, then people will care. Yeah, that re- yeah. really, right? That didn't work. Uh, but yeah, that's Jim Powers, folks. The up-and-comer perpetually yeah. for literally 14 years. That was wow. his gimmick, wow. is that he was a young up-and-comer. extensive career as a young up-and-comer. He's a very youthful man, and that is our shout-out, our salute to Jimmy Powers, folks. Let us know your favorite memories of Jim Powers. You can do that, of course, on on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, that tank is just about empty. We're going to pull those two names out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the finale of the Royal Flush of Talkers. That's coming up right after this. You know, I have traveled up and down the road thousands and thousands of miles with Tito Santana, every major city in North America and around the world. Tito Santana always got the championship matches. Tito Santana was always in the main event. Where was I? In Tito Santana's shadow. Well, no more. As it goes, no more Mr. Nice Guy for Jim Powers. All right, now you, you just you played a great match out there. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out in your favor, though. No, no, wait a minute. It did turn out in my favor. Because Tito Santana got disqualified, and I got my hand raised, all right? Maybe the match didn't look like I won, but yeah, in the books, it will go down. Jim Powers won, Tito Santana zero. All right, Jim, do you have anything in store for Tito? Anything that, you know, he should be, he should be looking out for? Yeah, he should be looking out for one thing, Jim Powers. All right, you heard it here. We are backstage at Rec Center. We have a whole lot more action coming up for you guys. Jim, great talking with you. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And uh, we're going to head back over to John Barbieri and Matt Pepe at the desk. And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It is episode number one. 90, the season 19 finale. Yeah, I know. Incredible. And it's Monday the 24th of August here. We're winding down the summer, believe it or not. But Quinn, we're also winding down Royal Flush. And before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody, if you like OVP and you want to support us, you get a lot of extra content over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's it. I'm not going to, we're not going to even talk about more. There you go. That's the pitch. In honor of 190. That's it. Uh, Patreon is good. Patreon's good. If you want more OVP, again, we appreciate it, but you'll appreciate it too because it's a lot of extra content and we're assuming that you're listening to us because you like us. Right. So if you want more, just go there, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Sign up now. You get instant access. You don't even have to pay right away. It's the first of every month that it charges. Right. So just do that. Give it a shot. Try it out. If you hate it, just cancel. Right. Okay. It really is okay. Now, Quinn, the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush. We finished the rankings last week. Right. And what that is, if you are newer to the show, folks, is every season before it starts, like right now, remember, if you want to vote, talk to Merkel. Today's mm-hmm. the deadline. 
We ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your 10 best and 10 worst of something. For this season, it was talkers and wrestling. And when we say talkers, we're talking about wrestlers. So we excluded people that primarily managed right. or did like color commentary uh-huh. because we've already done a manager's ranking. Right. You can't, you can't be in here twice as much as it like, it's hard for me sometimes because right. I'm always like blending and right, right. commentary also, but, but we're so like Bobby Heenan didn't qualify because he was mainly a manager, even though he did wrestle. But like Roddy Piper, for example, was a guy where it was like, well, he was on commentary like while he was wrestling. Right. So like what? But his commentary aspect didn't factor into he, his he ranking. He was lucky. Yeah. Factor in, <laughs> he was. He's horrible. <laughs> But basically what happens is once the votes, once the deadline hits, Merkel takes all of those votes, compiles them into two tanks, one for the best and one for the worst. And then every week we alternate, we draw out names two at a time and we rank them. So that way, by the end of the season, what you come up with is the definitive scientifically ranked, chosen, proven, ordained, baptized, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst talkers of all time. All right, Quinn, let's run down the eight that are on the board now on the let's run worst. them down. Okay. Number one, still holding strong, Doobie Boy Ahmed Johnson. Big Doobie. <laughs> Very Doobie. I call him Big Doobie. That's his name. Number two. <laughs> like when you call me Big Doobie. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Number two, Jimmy Schnooka. The Schnooka man. Wearing a Steve Allen's wife's underwear, of course. I put it into my mind, whatever he says. <laughs> Number three, Crust. Crust. Can't stand him. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. Bruh. Number four, a very bland talker, but not like all time bad, is Dean Malenko. Dino, the, yeah, Dino, Dino Machino. I, I, I felt like that one was like it was yeah, hard, right? It's hard because like that's what he's supposed to be. Yeah, he's literally trying to be a person that doesn't talk. Right, that's like actually his gimmick. In that regard, he succeeded. Yeah. Number five, Bobby Backlund, Quinn's personal vendetta. Horrible. What do you mean, my per- you, <laughs> you hate him more than I do? No, I uh, like Backlund every single week on the eighty three. Well, that's just bad. Yeah. Number six. I think he's got like a one fifteenth percentage of this list or something. Scott Steiner, you right? Know, I'm not I, sure what the math is. We ranked is. him like low because, like, I'm. I swear, it's like he just stopped trying on purpose. Yeah, in TNA, like, like that was the point. <laughs> that was literally the point. It's like just be as horrible as you can be, <laughs> and he did. Uh, number seven is Sid, who should not even be on the list. Sid is a fantastic, entertaining, fun I'm from talker. Alabama or whatever he says. <laughs> Arkansas, Arkansas. <laughs> Sid's great. I wish he wasn't on here, but he is. And uh, Lex Luger is number eight. Another guy that I don't think close parry <laughs> is that bad. It's amazing. So that's the top eight uh, that are on there right now. We're pulling out the final two names, but before we do that, we got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal. You've got to step into the ring with me, brother. People are wondering who should be the world's best wrestling or should be the number one person in professional wrestling. And you should remember that. I know what it is was a closed party. It's because of people like you, big boss man. Seems like they want to kick me in the back of some warehouse and try to treat me to teach me some lesson into my mind. I am Jean-Paul Levesque. Hey, you want to play like that? There ain't nothing to do with air of duty, boy. It's the Royal Flush. One last time of the talkers, Quinn. Let's flush him down. Let's flush. Let's go. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna halt. <laughs> I know I know it's the last one of the season toilets, but get it under you control. You have to kind of okay. That, that'll do it. Okay. Now we have run down the eight from Ahmed Deluger. 
There are two more. Now, this is anyone's ball game right here. I don't right. know whose ball game, but, you know, there's ball to be played. There's, a, there's some ball. <laughs> there's some ball. Well, last innings here. <laughs> so, without much more ado, why don't we find out who drew number nine? Number nine. It was written a long time ago when the Warriors that came before me and you well, Quinn, as Tony Chiricetti's head explodes, it is the ultimate warrior. Wow. Now, I, how is he tough, bad? Tough. Can I, like, seriously, because I don't mind his stupidness. He's neither good nor bad, in my yeah. opinion, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah, I no, I agree with you. He's not, like, uh, I wouldn't have put him on here, I He's a think. tough nut to crack, because yeah, I feel he's very like unique. if he talked normal... He wouldn't fit his character. It's well, like, again, yes. it's like the Dean Malenko thing. It's like the way he talks is kind of built in, right? Because he's from space or whatever he is. He's from parts unknown, I think, has an outer space branch. Yeah. yeah. He's mentioned using a spaceship before. Exactly. So I've always assumed right. he's from the planet Warrior. Or, it might be know, a so, colony. Yeah. I'm not sure how yeah. all of it works with right. the Commonwealth of Parts Unknown. Yes, exactly. But there's something. Yeah. It's part of the Empire of Parts Unknown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Take the Intercontinental Belt back. Take it back to parts I know. Load the spaceship with the rocket fuel. In all seriousness about the Warriors' ability, there's a couple of different phases. And we're, and we're not, I don't want to do his entire freaking career. Let's Because we don't need to. We know the Ultimate Warrior, right? He started in the Blade Runners with right. Sting. We all know Dingo. that. Power Team USA, bodybuilder, fake road warriors, right? IC he, champ, world th- champ. Then he was a dingo. He had a mustache a little bit, yeah. and then they got rid of that, thankfully. Right. IC champ, world champ, nothing for a while. Right. WWF again. He said ass sometimes and had a hat. Right. A comic book. And he hung out with Phil Collins right. in a chicken suit. Correct. And then he went to WCW, and it was really awful in WCW. Right. And that was that. Something with mirrors. Correct. I don't know. So there's your extensive recap of the warrior. Right. Uh, we've talked about him a real lot. That's the reason we don't need to go into detail. But I will say this. He has a few different phases of his career talking wise. Right. He's got from like 87, 88 to 90 before he wins the world title. He is at his most incomprehensible. Right. It's, it's just about space and planets. And everything is yelling. Forces and, right. and powers. Spaceships. And things and colliding. Going darkness. into buildings. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's really weird. A lot of astrology. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of astronomy. <laughs> There's like zero depth to it. No, like it's At just that point, it's just... It's insane. So, so here's the thing, though, is that I want to say about that. It's supposed to give you this impression of him that he doesn't live with us like he's right. not he's not like us he's not human or something i don't know what he is he's he's just fighting battles on different planets and sometimes he stops by earth and wins the world title like you know Th- that's what, I mean? what like, it is yeah, right you know like, what I mean? he's a champion intergalactically exactly it's I, not just earth i've always assumed this like he is might that, be, he's the ultimate warrior right is the it's kind of like the universal soldier that movie where they like send them to different planets Correct, to, like, yes. and they've trained him from being a child or something right he, he's just kind of like he goes and he does battle like when he's done on wwf i assume he just like heads back into the rocket ship as he says and then goes on it. goes on warrioring like during the week like when challenge isn't on and stuff, well, well, <laughs> you know. Well, that's the thing, right? Yeah, you can say, "Oh, well, Ric Flair traveled all the territories." Oh, ooh, yeah. Warrior traveled the fucking galaxy, motherfuckers. Yeah, all right? and he defended he his intergalactic big uranium belt. Yeah, it's amazing that he was able to keep a schedule to come back to Earth like. 
twice a week. He's or very whatever, organized. Like, <laughs> to, like, he's a very know, smart guy. I mean, you got to hit the light speed like pretty early in the morning to get here on time, right? You think he had a personal assistant or he just did this all by himself? Probably That's a, a robot of some kind. <laughs> it's like, remember when Hulk kind of showed us how this all worked in Suburban Commando, right? Like, it's just like you just get in the ship and you, you go do battle and then, you know, you never want to take off because there's so much evil people throughout the universe that you got to stop and sometimes you got to hang out with christopher lloyd right and you think ultimate warrior is probably part of some kind of organized thing like where they like give him missions or something sure yeah no he is he definitely is one of them was to beat hulk hogan right and he did at wrestlemania 6 and that's where the second phase enters now to his credit he's much more comprehensible and the Mm -hmm. reason is because i'm imagining i'm inferring i'm gleaning here is because when you're the world wrestling federation champion in the wwf during the golden era right? right You need to be more appealing to the mainstream in Plus, Vince's now, mind. Now that he had the Earth World Championship, <laughs> he really he couldn't leave as much, so he started getting more depth because he, you know, he's got to talk to these people. He's got to live. It's again, it's like Suburban Commando. He's right. got to stay on Earth for a bit and like hang out. So he uses his English words a bit more. Yeah. Unleash me now with the full power, the full dosage of what I command, warriors. Serve me no longer! Honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. Even though it might be counter to what the warrior had been previously, he's not bad at doing that. But it's just such a rapid, like, you have this, like, complete weirdo for a couple of years. And now he's like, I like the kids. I like America. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's, it's very weird. So I get why they did it, and he went along with it, obviously, you know? They they dived more into, like, I know they didn't, like, specifically say this, but I swear that sometimes they would, like, talk about it, or a warrior. They would dive into, like, does he have, like, a religion or something? Like, they would mention about his gods and all this, like... Oh, true, yeah. Like, he more had, during that period. He was looking at the gods a lot in 91, yeah, right? Yeah, like, they would just talk about, like, his beliefs or right. something. And, like, believe in yourself! Yeah. You know, like, that shit. Pretty good. Yeah. Now, another thing that kind of goes under the radar, when he was feuding with Undertaker... In 91, like right. right before SummerSlam, before leaving, and that whole thing with Jake Roberts. Yeah. Warrior's dark promos there where he's like really like shaken by the whole thing. Right. He's not yelling. They're good. As I looked Undertaker into your eyes, it was as if I was looking into a mirror. For there have been times since crossing over that bridge from the place you say you have been that I have looked into that mirror and I have seen nothingness. They actually are They're good because yeah. he's, he's speaking clearly. It's not as bad as the other dark stuff with Papa Shango. Well, later. the whole 92, yeah, everything about that was just weird, right? Yeah. It was almost like I always felt that whole storyline. The like concept on paper was like, well, what if Warrior got a taste of his own medicine, right? Like a real yeah. like otherworldly <laughs> kind of character that could use his magic back at Warrior. That's exactly what that was, yeah. right? Exactly. And it was a weird angle and people make fun of it because of the goo and the white jacket and yeah. stuff. I mean, there's things to make fun of. It's was fine. Was the white coat there just so that yeah. the, it was like it was holding some goo pack or something? It was like so a, you'd see the goo, I think, too. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I just thought because he had something on his head, obviously, so that that shit would fold down. Yeah. So I, I just assumed there was some kind of pack of goo in the coat. Like squeeze so, it. And they had they kind of like put it a, a thing up his hair so you couldn't see. Right, like probably. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, probably. And then when he comes back in 96... 
it's more like attitude era warrior, even though it's pre attitude, but he's more like I street. Call, I call it the hat era warrior. Well, <laughs> and he had the blue duster mainly. Well, okay, so this warrior, right? He's very he's straight. more about promoting his warrior wrestling <laughs> school than he so, is anything else. And his fucking comic the book. Comics book real. Like, the truth be told, nobody gives a damn about the match that will take place between me and you. That's true. So now that he's lived on Earth for a bit. Several years now in Scottsdale, you know, he's got, Arizona. He's got to make a buck, right? Like, he can't just... The real world has come crashing down on him now that he's lived in it for a while. Like, right. he couldn't leave or something. His spaceship broke. I, it's kind of, Again, it's like Hulk and Suburban Commander, right? Like, then he has to, like, figure out how to live on this place, right? right? Yeah, of like, course. So now he's like, I'll start a school about fighting because I'm a warrior, obviously. Right, of course. And I'll make a comic book because I got so many tales from around the, from around the universe, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I, I got memoirs to tell in comic book form. <laughs> so he starts these two things and literally, like, that's what he is. And then there's, like, problems almost with fucking Jerry Lawler of or something. All people. It's always, you know what? That's always the sign of like... Of they're th- dropping the ball. That's what it is. It's, it's not WWE's dropping the I, ball. Yeah. I found the trend always is, is you feud with Jerry Lawler after you were in a big feud, but they don't have anything. It's, right? So like Bret Hart, like that's it was always yeah. his fallback feud was Jerry Lawler. Well, King's a great psychologist, it's, it's, right? It's, yeah, he you really know what it is? is? It's because King's actually good. He's really good. And it's kind of like... It's almost like they don't want to step you down because if you're involved with King at the very least, he's going to talk about you a lot. And he's on, doing announcement. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, so you're still aware that they're a, a force because Jerry Lawler's bitching and moaning about them constantly. And King's mic work was still really good. Right. Even in the Warrior crazy no, it is. Yeah. feud. But like, th- that's the thing. It's like they didn't want to step the Warrior down from like, you know, being involved with like the Intercontinental title stuff at that they, point in time. They didn't want to put him on it. You know, right. So whole- they, they're like, well, he'll fight Jerry Lawler. So King will have to talk about him constantly. Right. Right. The problem, though, is in my mind as a kid, anytime someone was feuding with King in like 95 or 6, I was like, this is the fucking announcer of like WrestleMania 10. Yeah, but this King, is the announcer. Yeah, I know. I understand. That as was the kid, problem. As a kid, I think that. But as yeah, an adult, as you look back at it and you're like, but King is a great idea to feud with. Like, it's yeah. not it's not a step down because to me, King is like, he's keeping you relevant. It's not a step down, but it's perceived as one. Right. That's, I exactly. think, the problem. It's technically not. It's just perceived as a step down. Right. Exactly. That's all it is. But, ha- they, it's usually they just have to dispose of King. Yeah. Like, and it takes like a month because in your house or whatever. <laughs> it's just that's what it is and warrior really didn't wrestle too much on tv during that period of time Mm -hmm. he really didn't his promos though he said ass sometimes and he was like more like angry they're trying to make him edgy again he's lived on earth for a while he's he's developing the the slang i don't give a i got a full-length movie for you me kicking your ass from beginning to end it's pretty funny that out there in Arizona, you know, not too far from parts uh, from uh, Area 51. Right. If you really think well, about I, it. I, I see it this way, is that the warrior, you know, like, he can't live in the normal areas, right? Like, you know, Arizona. Against Arizona. I just mean to say. It's Got a some little, good fans not, from out there. I mean to say is that there's not as many people. So the warrior True. can hang out in his lodge or wherever he lives. A lot and, of iced tea out there, though. Right, exactly. And he can just be like. He, his lodge. Well, I assume he's got kind of like a place to run around because you know how the warrior needs to run around. Gotta get that cardio in, man. Yeah, it's like, so it's like he needs a lot of open space. Right, of course. He doesn't want to expose himself to too many people out there because he's a little, eh, you, you know. <laughs> oh, he's Matt Lauer. Yeah, so <laughs> I just think that's a perfect place for the ultimate warrior. I think you're right. To uh, roam free. I gotta say this, and, and anyone else out there that really likes his WCW run, all four of you, I'm really sorry. 
But his WCW stuff, and I'm not blaming him entirely because they they're just stupid company, it's, and they booked him stupidly. Well, okay, can I can way I say, too much magic? I'm not is gonna, all I was gonna uh, yeah, say. I'm not, I'm not gonna defend it, but I am gonna say didn't turns into fucking black stone. Didn't like, the what Hulkster are we doing? have a, a creative hand in this shit too? Isn't that known? Like, I it's not probably Hogan wanted them there. Yeah, so we could beat him. Because I thought Hogan has commented that part of this shit was his idea. I like, think he what, openly admits it because he wanted it to suck. Because he wanted to be like, look, I'm better than the warrior brother. So he made him like a magician. Like he it's leaned terrible. into the Papa Shango aspect and Hulk um, said, brother, we're, this is the story we're going to do. Like you're going to use your magic from the Papa Shango on me. Only I can see a dude. Right. You exactly. know, and that whole thing. And that, but warriors promos were weird. And I don't know if they scripted him or if he freeformed. Yeah. But the they're one, crummy. The one thing I I do wonder about this Ultimate Warrior thing, if you knew the Ultimate Warrior's past and yeah. what he was doing to Hulk Hogan or whatever, it sort of made sense in the like vein of the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> but like, if you hadn't, if you're like a new fan in 1996, you're like or 97 or whatever it yeah, was, 98, 98. Wow, like you're like, what the fuck is yeah, like? Who is this? Yeah, you don't understand like right. why this is happening. So I think that's part of it also because it, again, if you have prior knowledge of the Ultimate Warrior, you know he's like insane. Yeah, I know, and he might be magical or something. I said, fuck, if there's any money to be made, any business to really be done, it's between me and Hogan. And you could hear a pin drop in the room. They couldn't believe that I'd said it. And I knew then, I said, this whole fucking thing of bringing me back was for nothing more than that Hogan could beat me in a wrestling match. Tell you what, WCW could take chicken salad and turn it into chicken shit. Yeah. They were very adept at that. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because they somehow botched having the ultimate motherfucking warrior all they had to Hulk do was Hogan. let him be the regular warrior. Just like build it somewhat normally. I know they couldn't call him Ultimate, but since Jim Hellig changed his name to Warrior, they just called him The Warrior. Why couldn't he just beat up a bunch of NWO people every week and then, you know, fight Hulk Hogan? Because WCW. That, what, yeah. what do you mean? That's why. Instead, it was they like, fuck everything up. Oh, I'm going to make you bleed. Right. Or whatever it was. Yeah, whatever it was. It was yeah. all poor. The trap door. Like, it's. It, why is there magic? Wasn't there, like, the flame thing, too? Isn't that <laughs> where Hulk Hogan burned his mustache off? Yeah, he says that, but, like, you can see that he didn't. He's like, I burned off my mustache, all my eyebrows. Like, no, you didn't. Yeah. You just, like, fucked up. But yeah. Horace is involved. Horace! <laughs> well. No, don't yeah. well that. You know. You I'm got, Horace Hogan. <laughs> yeah. It's during that time where, like, that was. I'm Horace the, Hogan. Those were the people that were hanging and banging with the Hulkster. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get to where Warrior ranks, but overall, I'll just say now, I don't think he's historically bad so much as he's just very out there and different. Yes. That doesn't make him bad, in my opinion. It doesn't make him bad, but it makes I, him memorable. Like I think he's like more like in the Dean Malenko department. Like you know what I mean? Like the that's what he is. We'll have to see, Quinn. Yeah. His I gimmick mean, makes him what he is. I agree. I, uh, to an extent, I agree. Honestly, like, I just want to say one more thing before we l- go off of him, is that, like, you know that last promo he cut, like, before he passed away or whatever? Yeah. Like, that's when you could see, like, wow, if they just let him be serious, like, at certain points, like, you know what I mean? Like, because he, yeah. he could cut that, like, heart-wrenching, like, gut-wrenching, like, man, I care about this guy, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. When the warrior was speaking uh, and not cutting a promo, he, he was a, a good speaker, yeah, and uh, he said a lot of bad shit in his real life, and we know that we're not. We we're, know we're, we're talking not about the promos, but we're, we're not. Do, this is just the character. But yeah, so that's our that's our thoughts on the warrior for now. He'll obviously go to the ranking uh, waiting room here. Yeah, because we have one last person to call out. Now I'm sure that you at home, because this is a very important list, Quinn. 
Mm-hmm. This is obviously the, so important. The official list now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. It's gonna find its way to Melter's floor in his stupid office. Well, it's gonna. It's tough to find though because that place is messy. Ooh. And the way he sits, he could be kneeling on it. He could be just his his the wheel over his chair could just be on top of the list. <laughs> and this hairy knee grease all over it. So, <laughs> with that said, why don't we find out who drew number ten? What was I feeling? <laughs> I was feeling the pain. That's what I was feeling. <laughs> I landed on my noggin. Well, I don't like this. It's Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm Brock. What, what do you mean you don't like this? I feel like there's worse people that should have made this list than guys like Ultimate Warrior and Brock Lesnar. Well, people don't, <laughs> people don't like the urine piss vomit or whatever. I thought, okay, Brock Lesnar... This is tough. It's, it's tough because he barely talks. Tough because he barely talks. He's been managed by Paul Heyman literally forever. Yeah. Since his whole WWF career, I right? Think there was like a brief period where Paul wasn't there or he like broke up with him or maybe, something. Maybe. Like, very brief. But very brief, right? Yeah. So Paul Heyman obviously has always talked for him. Just gets fatter before our very eyes every year as he does it, you know, and just sweating more and just greasy. <laughs> just huge. Just a mammoth man. A ball. Ball Heyman. But nevertheless, he talks for uh, Lesnar with his fat mouth. Right. And <laughs> Brock Lesnar, however, when he does talk, what the impression I've always gotten is, well, it's important if Brock is saying it himself. Yeah, but he sounds like a little John Arezzi. Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> he, he, he does. He, does. he sounds like John Arezzi. It's it, That's the... I think that's the thing that people point out, right? It's like, here's this big, like, he looks... Six, six. He doesn't look human. Like he fucking lo- sword. Yeah, he's got a... Yeah, that's what I always say. How would you not be afraid of this guy? He's got a sword tattooed on his <laughs> chest. Like, look at him. From fucking St. Olaf, Minnesota with yeah. Rose, you know? <laughs> and he, he just cuts cuts fucking wood all day. With his and, dick. And Sable watches the kids, and then he brings the wood in. I don't know. Like, <laughs> he just does his thing. Here, Rena. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like... He's just not normal. No. But he opens his mouth and they're like, oh, hi, everyone. <laughs> like, I'm Brock. I'm an ass kicker. I am Brock Lesnar. Hey. It's like the one detriment, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a real problem. It's a four and a half tool player because of that voice. It's yeah. just, he can talk with his words. Right. It's not that he can't talk. It's that he, he, he needs a voice modulator like he's nails or something. <laughs> Boss man. Yeah, exactly. Imagine if Brock was like, fuck you. you yeah, <laughs> exactly. If, if his voice was just deeper, he probably would talk all the time. I'm an ass kicker. I am Brock Lesnar. Or if he had more colorful voice like the Ultimate. I'm going to leave you in a pile of piss, blood, and vomit. That's pretty good. Like something like, you know, like that. That was pretty good, Quinn. Yeah. You never do that with your voice. Yeah, you well. Should do, you should do that more. Oh, well, I, I don't think Occasionally. so. Occasionally. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but when, again, when Brock talks, it feels like, well, if he sang it himself, it matters. That's an impression I've always gotten. Well, that's what they, they lead you to believe yeah. in the character, right? It's, it's that, well like, done. He doesn't open his mouth because that's. He doesn't have to. Him. It's like he just he beats people up. That's what he does. And I thought they did that really well in that 2014 and 15 run where remember those sit downs, obviously the blood, urine and vomit one. But like there's other ones during that where he's like, I don't give a shit. I'm here to wrestle. I'm here to make money. Right. (laughs) But it's like, hi, I'm here. I'm here to make money. Uh, Here's here's my calculator and I'm calculating the money. (laughs) I use Lotus. (laughs) I use Lotus. Yes. Lotus one, two, three. Like, like, he doesn't bother to upgrade his software. No, like, I use Windows 3.1. Yeah. I don't care. I can use it. 
If yeah. I need to use it, I'll use it. But that's how he talks. It's right. that, it's I that, live in the fucking woods. What, what do you want? You yeah. know? It's that like... Imagine, C- imagine the tiny voice cursing. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. It's that like CNBC, like 10 p.m. show that no one's watching, Cadence. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean. God. CNBC. Yeah, CNBC. <laughs> the one nobody watches. Yeah. The one that literally, if you like own stocks, you're just briefly checking while some guy Kramer or whatever yells about Kramer. stocks and you're like can you just tell me what the price of this shit is is that the channel where John McEnroe had a show and it got like a 0.0 rating they don't know what to put on that fucking channel like I'll be honest with can you can we get on that channel I swear like three hours a day they just have that Kramer guy yelling like I swear they, that show is long the guy that makes a game out of everybody's money yeah that's cool there's no because that's the best you can do with stocks like there's like the whole channel is div- around stocks, right? It's terrible. So it's like the best they can do is have a guy like be sarcastic and yelling. <laughs> like I've actually watched it before. He doesn't yell all the time. No, I know. He just like he basically like ends every analysis with the like bah, 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 and then he's like, oh, and then this, and then uh, yeah, and, I know. and then you should really do this, and blah blah blah. <laughs> Like, he's actually serious it's just the, like yeah. he's really really bad he just has like a gimmick and he just lives to it we love garbage we can't get enough of it so brock as a talker though i don't know i never i never heard him talk and i thought like wow this is really bad i did used to think and still do it's like his voice is funny yeah his voice is like humorously like slight his voice really is his number one hindrance right of anything he ever did now i wouldn't tell him that to his face yeah that's why i'm saying it here well i mean he has a sword on his chest so i'm i'm not going to fuck i'm with not him. touching him yeah. you know i'm not but i think even like if i've i'm very curious like when brock gets older and he's not wrestling anymore i really like to hear what he thinks of everything he's doing because he doesn't talk about it like you know what I mean, and like does he does he openly admit that he doesn't have the best wrestling voice or whatever? I'm like, sure he'd admit that. I don't think he cares if he's counting his money while he says it. Exactly, but you I, know? I mean, from a perspective of like, did it help not help him in his career? Is he he's got to be aware of it, right? Did it not help him? I mean, he's been an MMA champion, he's been a WWF champion, he's made tons of money. He gets his ass licked anytime he comes in to do anything. Right. He has WWE by the balls half the time. It's true. And gets things on his terms. So I don't think it hurt his career at all. And no. And it didn't, but I'm saying if you're him, do you say like, oh, well, it could have been even better, right? How much better, though? Yeah. How many more boats can you own or whatever the fuck he would want to own? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't own boats. He don't own boats. It's like cattle or something. Yeah, how I many more elk can you yeah, steer? Yeah, exactly. Brock Lesnar just lives in the woods and hunts. Like, yeah. that's like all he does. He doesn't He doesn't even need that much. If he ran out of money tomorrow, he'd just be like, okay. Like, yeah, you know, know what I mean? And he would just, he would just like wander, He's the, done. wander the prairies and like kill things or whatever like i'm serious like no, he, I know, he doesn't even need money so to answer your question no i don't think it hurt him at all yeah. I really, how much better can you get to be able to come back on the basis that he does right which he's been doing on and off now for like eight years yeah it's like insane how he's been able to do this i i gotta hand it to him so like i know I. people get mad at him and stuff but it's honestly, not his fault if they want to pay him yeah. to beat the shit out of somebody then <laughs> fine they like, want to pay him to, to beat kofi kingston in 30 seconds artistically yes that looks horrible and people yeah. are mad he and doesn't I get care that, but he but doesn't care who he's beating he's just like who am i beating or do you want me to lose to this guy like he does lose too yes. I, I hate the perception that he never he does yeah it's not he doesn't decide this we watched him lose in person at wrestlemania 35 we did <laughs> no absolutely the thing i know this might be like hard but like the idea that a lot of wrestlers care whether they win or lose i know some do but most are not Bret Hart at Montreal. 
Yeah, the majority are not. The majority are not. Most are not Hulk Hogan at the top of his career, or Hulk Hogan in general. If Vince says, hey, you're going to come in and you're going to beat The Undertaker. Yeah. What's Brock going to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know okay. It's, it's not like Brock is like, I'm only coming in if I beat The Undertaker. He's not I, I doing that. I don't even that. think he said, are you sure you want me to beat The Undertaker? He just said, okay. Okay. Yeah. You know? And if he did say, are you sure? That's nice of him. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, whoa, are you sure? Yeah. And Mark's like, yeah, it's fine. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, it's fine. I'm the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I'm happy, Undertaker. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's That's fine. another one. What, what the fuck's going on? Like, <laughs> He's done a great job, though, with he, his voice. I love this new, like, oh, I'll tell you everything, Undertaker. I got Instagram. Fuck yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, y'all. Me and Michelle are going to the like, yeah. festival next week. Or, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's just like, he, this This is a great version of Mark Calloway. I like this version of him a lot. <laughs> and he's just Mark. He's not Undertaker. No, he's, now he's Mark, yeah. He's Mark who played the Undertaker Correct. for a couple years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all I got on Brock. I, nothing's ever stood out at me with him as, as a bad promo. Not a great overall talker. You know, not like an all-time talker. It's mainly his voice. Right. That's all I've ever really thought with Brock. I mean, yeah. he's got a manager that talks for him. Heyman's they, a great they talker. They hide it well. Yeah. They hide it. Like, again, if you don't watch wrestling day to day or aren't like a fanatic like people like us are. Yeah. Like, you don't even know what Brock Lesnar probably sounds like. Yeah, and you don't care. Yeah. So you got Paul Heyman. Yeah. All right. Well, it's ranking time. Let me run them down again for you here. Ahmed Johnson. Uh-huh. Jimmy Snuka. Uh-huh. Crust. Yeah. Crush. Crust. Sorry. Crush. Dean Malenko. Bob Backlund. Scott Steiner, Sid, and Lex Luger. Um, the Ultimate Warrior to me belongs in the in the tier of like why are they on the list? I think, but you you tell me where you think. Hmm. Yeah, I actually think he's. <laughs> this is going to sound absolutely bad shit crazy. Yeah, but I think he's the only person he can be above is Scott Steiner. Like worse I, than you mean? Yes, because I think Scott Steiner is intentional. Well, they're both intentional, actually. So maybe he's like above Sid then. I think, yeah, that's exactly where I was thinking. I don't think Warrior is a bad talker. I, I probably wouldn't. Because remember, Quinn and I don't vote. We ju- like right. I, I haven't thought of my personal 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if I was writing it out as far as like overall mainstream talkers, I don't think Warrior would be on my list. Not at Truthfully. all. Truthfully. Uh, for bad? No. Yeah, for bad. He wouldn't be on for good either. He'd be in the middle of the rankings, which means not ranked. Which means nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, Now, Luger, I think think the problem here, and I'm blaming you, Quinn, is that Sid should really be below Luger. I don't... Sid's better than Luger. I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe that. I I, I think Sid... or I'm, I'm sorry. I think Luger... Just, Horrible. there's more character no, to what he does. Inch. It's just it's better. Luger is more character than Psycho Sid? Are yes. you kidding yes. me? Yes. Just, By all what you gotta criteria? do is, is watch all of his, like, 1992 oh, stuff. Get it's out of hilarious. here. You can say the same about Sid. Watch all of his 1992 stuff. I know, but I like Luger better. It's fine. I just, I you think You won he's that fun. battle. Yeah. You won that battle. Yeah. Because if it were up to me, it would be Sid at the bottom. It's and, a closed party. <laughs> <laughs> and then Warrior and then Luger. But anyway, I think Warrior is better than Luger. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's better than Sid. That's the problem. So I can't put Warrior at the bottom. Oh, you don't think he's better than Sid, huh? No, Sid, Sid I think, is funnier. Yeah, so I think Warrior is worse than Sid, which means that yeah. he's number seven. I, but see, right? the, thing, the problem... And Sid is eight yes. and Luger's nine. Yes, yeah. but the problem I'm having is that I think Warrior's better than Luger, but I can't do anything about that because you mm. you decided Luger should be at the bottom I for don't some think, I don't think so. reason. I think war. I think that's a great ranking for Warrior. I think that's like just about right. Well, because like because I I actually think both Sid and Luger are both better than the Ultimate Warrior. I think I, Sid I, is. I think Luger's not. Huh. 
Well, because I think Warrior... Interesting. He, here's, here's what I think Warrior's strength is. His promos made him memorable. Right. I'm not saying they were good promos, but they're quotable, some of them. I guess what I, what I think about Luger when you say that, right, is that I feel like Luger... Like, we might not like him as much. I, I like Luger. But I just think that there's more personality to it. For what whatever. personality from Lex Luger <laughs> versus Sitter Warrior? What are you his, talking about? I'm talking about his heel stuff. I really, really like it. I like it too. I just, I think he's like a great. He I think can, he's underrated he as oddly, a talker. Like I always thought he could oddly hang with Bobby, and I thought that was very strange. Like not like that he's at the same level as Bobby, but just that like they, the two of them there. could like the two of them conversed, and it seemed natural and stuff. And I don't know what it was. It just it always impressed me. I've said before, I like Luger as a talker. Yeah. I wouldn't. This is the the realm here. Warrior, Sid, and Luger. These are people that I wouldn't put on the list. I wouldn't put any of these people Correct. on the list. Yeah, that's why they're all sharing this apartment down here. Yeah, in the okay. bottom. Because but it doesn't really even matter at that point. At this point, yeah. no. These are all people that I wouldn't they could be anywhere. These are three people who haven't been in my kitchen. Right. And these are three people I wouldn't put on this list. Um, that, uh, whatever. Then who gives a shit who's right? Who's first or second Correct. on that part? So Warrior, Sid, Luger. Yeah. And now we bring in Brockus Lesnar. Brockus. I don't, not not Brockus though, even though he's sort of I like know. him. Now Brockus, Brockus version two. Brockus Lesnar, I think, is right yeah. around Malenko territory. Right around Malenko, yeah. Again, part of the gimmick. Um, part of the gimmick. You think Bob Backlund is better than uh, Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar. I think Bob Backlund's heel work or when he shows any kind of emotion is very good. That's true. That's he's got it, he's got that above him. Yeah, I, I don't think. Oh, man, is that Bob Backlund shit horrible? Oh, the 82, and I'm sure back all the way to 78? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It's horrible. It's hideous. It's really bad. No. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I don't even know what I'm saying. See, the thing is, again, with Brock Lesnar, I never thought he was bad. I just think that his voice stinks. Yeah. I, I don't think, think that he's bad when he talks. I like those interviews he, he that only, he's done. He only says something when he needs to. And he says it very, I'm, uh, I don't care. I'm, okay. here to, I'm here to kick people's asses. So then, in a weird way, isn't he better than Bob Backlund? Yeah, he's better than Bob Backlund. He's less offensive yep. than Bob Backlund. Yep. So is he better than Steiner? I mean, um, Steiner's funny. Yeah, I... The, my my biggest issue with with Steiner again is like I feel like it's performance art or some shit. Like it's like it feels after a certain point it feels so intentional. Only in TNA though we've said right. Right in WCW he's, he's trying to be good. Right, but here's the thing is that's what he's remembered promo wise. He's remembered Mainly for the for TNA, TNA and the TNA stuff is so it's so ridiculous that it can't not be like on purpose. So you think that we like, put Lesnar right above him, meaning Steiner's a little bit better because there's an art to it? There, There is. Like, there's an art to the bad promo, and I think Scott Steiner should get some credit for it. That's all. I don't disagree. I think yeah. Lesnar can go right above him, but, but Lesnar is better than Bob Backlund as a whole. Yeah. Because Backlund just... Look, Drones I think... On. Imagine if they told Brocky to talk more, that's what it would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I did this, and yeah. I went to the bar, and I ate uh, a chicken. and I ate some like raw a, eel. It was pretty good. Yeah, just a rambly... Yeah. Now I think that Backlund again can be very good. Right. He can be very good. Anytime we've seen in the early '80s when he has to show emotion, he's fantastic. It feels too little, too late, though. That's right. The only problem. It's, like, it's just like when you had like an extensive career of just being like, that's the thing. I'm the W. What is it? WF? I don't know. You know, like it's like it's when that is the majority of your career. It's kind of hard to get get over that it's not a question whether he had the ability to be good because we know that he did it's that he didn't get to do it that much right 
With Lesnar, I think he speaks the perfect amount. Otherwise, he'd be very bad. Oh, if he spoke any more than he did, he would be like, he might be in like the snooker right. Ahmed level. But because he had Paul Heyman, he didn't have to talk much. And because he because of that, I think he's fine. We're right in the middle of the pack, number yeah. six, right? There you go. Okay, so we're officially going to do this. But before we do that, right? Got to mention some people that didn't make it. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> it's probably people who missed it that should have been on it by like a little bit, but because like Sid Luger and Ultimate Warrior, Andre there. the Giant missed yeah. it by a couple of votes. That's fucking crazy. Like, come on, he's like one of the number one stupid, horrible talkers that we imitate. Goldberg, who I don't know, um, yeah. he's, he's. I find Goldberg very minimally good. offensive. Minimally on, offensive. Like it's like, very. Because it, it, I don't think of Goldberg as that kind of wrestler. Jeff Jarrett just Ugh, missed it. Fucking hard. That would have been great. Because, see, you think of him for as long as he was wrestling. Never do it. I'm, he was never that good of a talker or it a good anything. very put on. Yeah. Like, it was very like, well, I'm going to be a good talker now. Yeah. And, ha, ha, ha. Look at me heel. You know, like, <laughs> it's just it's just slap nuts. Yeah. And he's another guy, by the way, while we're at it, like Jeff Jarrett was probably best suited to be like a mid-card face because that's his strength. He's smaller, not really likable, but... Like, but he sat at being a heel for so long yeah, that it was just like, fuck this shit, yeah, like, enough. When I've seen him as a face, he's like, fine. And like, in Memphis, he's, he's fine. He was, because he his is. look, it like, does... The strappies. Do, he looks like you should sympathize yeah. with him, but it, it's complete opposite, so you just, you hate him even more. Yeah. You're just like, ugh. And here's one, man, that I really wish would have made it. What? I think he actually may have just missed it by like a vote. Because when you're thinking mainstream talkers, right, who were at the top of their game for a very long time, and they just put you to fuck to sleep most of the time, Triple H. I'm the game, uh, and I'm the best, uh, and you all suck. Uh. As I've said, his best work was like one year, That's two thousand. Yeah, and he was a chicken shit heel. He's fantastic in 2000. I will always defend his work then. Because he's. I don't really think of his talking ever. I don't think that was even a strength. I think his overall, like, in ring was phenomenal in 2000. He really was good. I mean, here's the thing I'll never take away Triple H's in ring. He's always been very good. It got worse as time went on. Yeah, but I always thought that he he was one of those guys in the ring. He was a student of the game, literally. Could, yeah, even in his old man matches, I'm like, these aren't bad matches. They're always like, too long. It's just I don't like Triple H. I don't either. Yeah. They're always too long, though. Right. All of his matches since like 2005 have been way too long. But they long. aren't bad, is my point. That's all I'm saying. No, they're not yeah. bad. They'd just yeah. be better if they were maybe right. five, ten minutes shorter. Exactly. That type of thing. But yeah, but he's somebody that is a talker. Uh, you know, I could have seen him on the list uh is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> and where was Nails? Excuse me. The, the like, where is, were you? The Nails is baffling to me. I was saying that before. I'm like, I can't believe when you told me the last time, like, part of me was like, how is Nails not on this? There's just some people that really should have been on that. We'll cap it there, but holy shit, would I not have put Ultimate Warrior, Lex Luger, or Sid on this list? I think we could have put Nails. I don't know about Triple H. I don't even know if I would have put Triple H. I don't know. I can't sit but down and do it now. But 100% Nails. Oh, God, yeah. And Andre. Yeah, I, as Andre, much as I, I love put, Andre, but like it's just Pedro. Lo- Pedro's horrible. Bruno. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that I think were not counted because they're from like the, an earlier era, a, a, earlier era. But you hear them and you're just like, this is 
fucking horrible. John Studd is a really bad talker. Yeah. He's not he can, good. He can be... I, I'm kind of indifferent to John Studd, though. I am, too, but I'm saying Warrior Sid and Luger. I mean, right. come on. Yeah, There's exactly. There's people that I would, I would... Chris Benoit. Yeah. He was crummy. <laughs> he was! But no, he's not allowed to be talked about anymore. I don't think he's made any list of Good, anything. I don't want him to anyway. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, you guys voted. We did it. I'm sure people are going to take to the Facebook and... uh complain about some of the people that made it or not and that's fine we didn't, we it's didn't like make internal them, complaints yeah we didn't make them make it <laughs> and you know what if you want your voice to make a difference go out and vote talk to Merkel because next season it's stables mm-hmm. and we want you guys to vote you don't have to register to vote around no, here no you don't have to just you just go, have to rock the vote that's just all you gotta do rock the vote but anyway Quinn let's call it a season here for the Royal Flush as we count down the top 10, or the bottom 10, really. Number one, Ahmed Johnson, that doobie boy, made it on top, Quinn. Big doobie. Number two, putting something into his mind, Jimmy Snuka. Yep. Three is Crush. <laughs> Four is Dean Malenko. Five, Bobby Backlund. <laughs> uh, six, Brock Lesnar. Yes. Yeah. Hi, I'm Brock. Hi. Seven, Scott Steiner. Eight, again, wouldn't have put him there, but Ultimate Warrior. Nine is Sid. Definitely wouldn't have put him there. And somehow, number 10 is Lex Luger. It should have been Sid. It's a closed party. Send your cards and letters to Michael Quinn in Ogden, Utah. But Quinn, that is the royal flush of talkers for season 19. We will do it all over again next season. But Quinn, when we come back, this is a weird thing we're reviewing. It's very rare. It's very rare. Very. If I knew the man... Sid Justice that ruled the world. No, Sid Justice, not the man that claimed to rule the world, but the man that stood and ruled the entire world. And maybe I would know that emotion of beer. But since I know no such person, no such man, no such creature, no such being, then I will not register that beer in my walk in the World Wrestling Federation. I have never, my warriors have never, we shall never register fear. For it is that we do not register fear that we only get ourselves in trouble. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 190. Quinn, as we often do uh, every season finale now, want to thank a bunch of people and uh, and also shout out a bunch of our friends of the show for uh, just being with us for your support and everything. We normally have our podcast plugs. Obviously, the regulars like Pete Winston's Greetings from Allentown. Mm-hmm. Great show. Go check out One Man Show there. Sometimes uh, Keithy is with them for the GFA Live well regarded and then also check out book in the territory with mike mills that is basically the southern fried unprofessional version like our counterparts yeah the mirror image world of us or yeah whatever bizarro ovp yeah. uh they started before us i guess so maybe we're the classier version of them well we're bizarro of each other we yeah. both see each other <laughs> right as bizarro uh, but that's uh, obviously mike mills and his crew they do the southern fried wrestling down there down south if you like that kind of crap so check it out yeah. <laughs> but it's a great show check out booking the territory but there's also other friends of the show that shout us out that support us i'm talking about chick foley they're a big supporter check out the chick foley show figures and wrestling 
definitely, if you like the figures, yes. they do the figures. They have a whole figures thing. They talk about the figs. There's a lot of figs. Check out Chick Foley. Also, check out our friend Mike Prue. He's got a show. It's the Bottom Line Cast, which goes through the career, basically, of uh, Cold Stone. Right, Cold Stone. That's the bottom line because OVP said so. There right? you go. There you go. Also, check out the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's Steve Fountas and Eric. They go through a bunch of fun stuff, uh, just like random memories and things, sometimes interviews. I was on that show, actually, wow. as part of an interview content creator series. You might uh, want to listen to that one. Yeah, it's a good one if you like me, I guess. I yeah. Mean, most of you probably don't. But check out the PPW podcast. And also check out the wrestling man, Bill Yankovic. Yes. Been grinding through this for years and years. Working hard on the go. For the love of the game. For the love of the game. We love you, Bill. The wrestling man, Bill Yankovic, and that wrestling show. So those are some friends of the show. And just a overall thank yous to, obviously, Richard Land for all yes. he's done to provide us with really horrible reviews uh, most of the time. <laughs> and also for uh, a lot of the work that he does on Twitter, Richard does help us out there. He I will, does. I will give him captions, and then he will pull the clips for me. And uh, much appreciated, Richard. And also thank you to Joe Merkel, our statistician who has been managing uh, the Royal Rankings and Flush and a bunch of other statistical things, honestly, for us for uh, several seasons now. Somebody's got to crunch the numbers around Yeah, here. and it's I mean, a big Lord help. Al can't do it all. No, he cannot. So thank you, Joe, for that. And obviously, thank you to all, all you fans. You know who you are, the regulars, the patrons, everyone that's been here to support us. If you want to buy a t-shirt, by the way, we have a new one out. It's at teespring.com. pretty spiffy, actually. So I, yeah, it is, right? It's it, actually something I would wear. Yeah, it is. So maybe buy Quinn one. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's at teespring.com. That is T-E-E-Spring.com slash OVP podcast. We've mentioned Patreon. Again, that's if you want to support us. And also, another way to help us out is to go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review. Mm -hmm. That's always appreciated as well. So that's just a few niceties there. Thank you guys so much. You know, it's been great to do this for almost four years. Yes. Um, next season, we're actually counting down to episode 200, which is going to basically coincide with our four-year anniversary. Yeah. And as a thank you, we're taking all kinds of questions and topics from you guys. It's going to be a four to the fan season. It, it is, honestly, because... You know, to do this for this long, it's great, but to do it for people that actually want to hear it week after week, that's very rewarding. And it's exciting. It really is, and it means a lot to both of us. Mm -hmm. And I know I speak for both of us when I say thank you, seriously. Thank you all. For being there for us and for your support. But Quinn, this is a weird one, because normally we review a sitcom or something yeah. like that in the finale. I mean, it's a very rare documentary. Very rare, yes. Yeah. So. What I'm going to do, and I'll let Quinn kind of just <laughs> give us a little story here, but basically what I'm going to say is if you want to go to YouTube, you can find this. You won't find it under its name, which is right. Headlines and Legends. That was the name of the show, yes. right? But look for Vince McMahon documentary, very rare. Very Vince McMahon, very rare documentary, 1999. Yes. That's, that's, that's its full name. <laughs> but it's Headliners and Legends, which was like one of those occasional biography series on a msnbc yeah but when you've got a little background on this so i have seen this show up in my feed before and i never clicked it and i'm not joking because <laughs> i thought it was a fake wwf thing based off the name that wwf did during like the attitude era where they were like trying to heal him up and they're like vince mcmahon he's oh, so good like, or a, like a kayfabe <laughs> mr mcmahon documentary right like i always thought it was something that I, I i swear there was like a vignette for like 30 seconds once where they like they showed the same picture that's that that's on this events like in wrestling gear in like the yes. 50s or something and that's the picture that's used on this right right and so i thought this whole time that this was just one of those things like the stooges cooked up in something <laughs> where they were like trying to hype vince before he was like fighting stone cold this, right like, right he's a great man and like all this like you know yeah. that fake shit 
So that's a true story. Yep, and this is it's, it's purely based on the picture. No, like not it? not even kidding. Of like Vince in the gear. <laughs> also, I thought it was doctored too when I was a kid. I'm not kidding. So very strange. What do you think about this uh, this overall YouTube video in general, though? So anytime you put very rare. <laughs> inside the title it's not because it's on youtube first of all yeah but also like how is it not supposed to like it aired on tv it aired so that's what it was a popular channel like i know msnbc is like popular it's like second to cnn and and like i feel like Mm. i feel like cnn's probably the most watched where or maybe foxes i don't know but msnbc is like below those two yeah it's It's, like it's a jobber though quinn you think to me, they're like a glob, the three of them. I guess and, and so. But MSNBC is like the lower one. It's very low. Well, yeah. So anyway, folks, what this is, is headlines and legends. And basically, it's a documentary series about people that have been, you know, very famous in history. And obviously, of course, Vince McMahon is worthy of one of these. I think personally, the reason they did this in 1999 is just because WWF was very popular for a lot of the wrong reasons. You know, the whole like, right. well, it's so bad. You know, Owen Hart has died. It's after that. Oh, they're you know, really picking out all the hits yeah. here, and all the bad stuff. And obviously, if you live through this, you know that Vince would occasionally crop up on the news in 1999 and stuff like that. He already so fucking horrible. You know, this is not everybody's cup of tea, no question about it. You know, let me state that. It's Vince, not everybody's cup of tea. where would you be if they stayed away? If, they stay, if the 11 to 17-year-olds stayed away, where would WWF be? They'd be severely injured, right? Not really. But let's see what they do here. Let's see if it's fair. Let's see if it's a hatchet job. Let's see how they do it. So the first thing, this is nice, is Matt Lauer with his hair and his shittiness welcoming us. It's amazing <laughs> that like Matt Lauer used to be a young man, yeah. not bald, and that he there was a time before he was disgraced or whatever. Yeah, I never liked him, though, well before he was disgraced, quote-unquote. I never liked him. I just felt like he was the, he, he was the NBC Good Morning America. That's, like a, that's, what, that's what I call the Today Show. Yeah, the Today Show. It's, it's, it's just, just fake Good Morning America. They don't... They don't have the fireplace, Joe, and the and the stupid set. I just didn't like him because he's like yeah. smug. He's like Brian Gumble. Like fuck both of them. Get them both out of here. Worse, they're, they're all bad. Anyway, I don't know. Brian Gumble's a little more. Matt Lauer's a piece. Matt Quinn. Lauer. Matt Lauer is like he's like a tier below Brian Gumble. They both suck ass. Gumble to Gumble. Hi everyone. I'm Matt Lauer, and welcome to Headliners and Legends. Anyway, Lauer <laughs> says here that Vince McMahon, a kid from a North Carolina trailer park, is changing. The face of American entertainment, whether we like it or not. What is he, the British Bulldog kid? (laughs) Watch with us as a kid from a North Carolina trailer park grows up to make headlines and millions. Whether he wants to or not. Oh, we then get a very robust intro here, which features people like Elvis, Bill Clinton, (laughs) JFK. Very stock. Like, even the theme, I swear you probably can find it on public domain. Probably. Dun, 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 dun. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> this is on because nothing else is. MSNBC. Like, yeah. <laughs> we got nothing. Vince is very similar to Elvis, you know, JFK and Bill Clinton, oh, if you really think about it. Oh, he there in all these, all these <laughs> historical figures. Yep, definitely worthy of this list. Yeah. Uh, also, Matt Lauer, still a fuck. We get some clips now of black and white, you know, old-timey wrestling to show that it used to be bad or something. You know, yeah. Vince McMahon, the inventor of color TV. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He invented it. <laughs> They're like, wrestling used to be fucking horrible. Look at it. Pure shit that was in black and white (laughs) with men in their underpants wrestling. He single-handedly took a dying sport and turned it into a juggernaut. And because reasons, noted boxing journalist Bert Sugar comments on this. It's like they had to get the boxing guy just to make this seem (laughs) legit because he was like, 
Bert Sugar during this time period on like all these shows He's on everything. He was he was very stock like important sports caster person. He's always got the fucking cigar and the hat. And the hat he dressed like fucking Casey he, Stengel or always, Connie Mack. Yeah, he always looks like he's like leaning over and he's sitting in a director's chair generally. Right, right. Like you know that shit. Now to Bert Sugar's credit, I'm not putting him down. No. As a boxing journalist and he was historian. Overused during this period he, of time. Yeah, though. he's a tremendous boxing historian boxing journalist right this is not boxing that's the only I don't remember when ring here. magazine was talking about i pro wrestling. Think there michael no yeah. no, no. Uh, they, maybe they might have talked about rocky but not they, <laughs> they should have bill after on this yes yeah. vince was a very you know, i'm surprised they didn't have after and there's no melts either which I, I was but i'm surprised because because he actually if, is a wrestling if, journalist yes if there's anybody like instead they have fucking somebody else and we'll get to him yes Lou Albano chimes in to say that, you know, Vin, Vince McMahon's made a lot of enemies. A lot of the promoters were very upset, so I guess he made a lot of enemies. And then we get a bunch of clips of DX, and then we show the kids in the audience. You get it? You know, yep. DX with the suck it, but then the kids in the audience. Right. And then Val Venus. And they then keep I'm, showing Val Venus this whole, this whole thing. They're like, so oh, we you got to make yeah. sure that Val Venus, he's really fucked up. I know. Right? Yeah. Stupid. Uh, and then a montage of people calling Vince an asshole, but also sometimes they call him a genius. Right. Back to Matt Lauer now, who says that even the mere mention of Vince McMahon's name provokes a reaction. Well, that's he, true. It is true. He's part desperado, just like Joe Gomez. Right. Part tycoon, maybe typhoon. Like the million dollar man. True. But all showmen, also very true. Vince yeah. is a showman through and through. He is all those, I don't know about desperado, but. Yeah, I don't either. Tycoon uh, and showman, definitely. definitely. He's the founder of the World Wrestling Federation and the man responsible for some of the most controversial television programming ever. His WWF has become public on Wall Street. I need to note the disdain here by NBC, like their tone, that they even have to like talk about yeah. Vince. It's just kind of annoying. They're, they're, they're like, oh, we have to fucking do this him. show. Like, I know wrestling was trashy during these times, but in the end, it was doing like everything that's Stern and Springer and was like all that shit True. at the same time. Like, I'm pretty sure Jerry Springer was probably like syndicated on an NBC affiliate somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. Like, so they're not like above it. Plus, Danny the Wonder Pony and more. Next, Jerry Springer. Today, too, on NBC5. Now, we get a warning. Some of the stuff we're going to see might be offensive. And the very next clip is Triple H on a tank. So, yeah, I agree. Very offensive <laughs> to me. Uh, a voiceover now. So we get various clips, very hand-picked from 1998, you know, to make it look very violent, very <laughs> right, sloppy. Right. Now, we were there. We know this stuff happened, but they're they're obviously pushing a narrative, it right? It didn't happen like all this stuff. It wasn't bing, everything. Bang, bang, bang. Like, yeah. It was like, oh, offensive, offensive, offensive. It's not how the show was. No, it was very action-packed, but it wasn't all this. But anyway, last year in 1998, the WWF made over $400 million just from license agreements, which is insane for wrestling. I mean, that's a lot of money. Success comes money, right? Right. To be honest, they were doing a great job at this point in time. I don't think they wasn't like undeserved or no, anything like I everyone mean, wanted wrestling stuff so of course of their licensing was high during that period and we're told quinn that they're on everything from figures to cds to restaurants to condoms they had to throw that in right like hey, you know that because they probably just licensed out a condom maker wanted to did make they, that like i'm did i, I miss that i guarantee you like trojan or one of those fucking companies was just like oh we're gonna put like stuff on the condoms right like triple h uh, condom or whatever uh, the cock like the rock Pal penis. yeah, yeah. <laughs> aren't you glad you're able to listen to tremendous witty jokes like this and you missed an obvious one load dog like, what did I miss, though? I don't remember I'm just this. Want, there, there, I guarantee it was like a novelty thing. 
that like maybe it like just happened Spencer's. To, yeah it happened to just exist in their portfolio like Condom that they kingdom just, like they're yeah it's just some South random Philly. some random condom maker would just contact them it's like what if we put the wrestling characters on the condoms we get money yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah exactly it's just one of those just like there's all sorts of like cheap garbage that even like mainstream brands will like just sign True. up for and if you're worried about kids buying condoms then i don't think it matters if wwf is on it or not if they're right. buying fucking condoms you deal with that problem kids. right yeah Anyway, we get clips of young Vinny here, and we find out he was a very temperamental youth, and he was also dyslexic growing up in that trailer park. They're really leaning hard on this trailer park <laughs> thing, huh? They like, are. They, this is like something they want to say, like, no, his childhood was a shithole. Like, he was, it was horrible. He and came I don't from, doubt it. came from nothing. And I, I don't doubt that, by the way. No, I don't doubt I it. I don't. It's just that they're really, really harping oh, on Oh, they're it. hammering Yeah, it. yeah. Now Phil Mushnick shows up like fuck to mm. chime in and he's like the WWF is pornography for children like fuck calm off. the like, fuck down what Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation provides to them on a daily basis is essentially pornography for children Okay this is the beginning of this so we might as well just say Mushnick is all over this He's all over it he's very annoying it's like NBC was just like who hates him so that we can have the other side of the yep. story right and so like Mushnick is just like fucking Vince McMahon he's a piece of shit and I yeah. hate him and he stinks and I'm the foremost I work at the New York Post or whatever yeah, so post. I, <laughs> I, I I matter fucking New York it's like that's daily news tier it's just the other it's below daily, daily news I think yeah. honestly eh, yeah, it's about the same they're both the tabloids of New York City so pretty much just, they're interchangeable right they just it's a different angle now it isn't to say that Phil Mushnick doesn't have points some of the things he says are valid it's Phil Mushnick's existence seems to be to be on a moral high horse right specifically with Vince McMahon. He works at a tabloid job. That's all. Yeah. It's not that he doesn't raise points. It's his manner and his stupid beard and his face. And then he just like pops in anytime it's like WWF. Oh, yeah. Fuck Vince McMahon. So That's all it what is. What I am curious though is if this is how whoever edited this cut it. Did they generally ask Mushnick questions about WWF and they just took all the negative Probably. answers out of the interview? Because they don't show him that much. They only show whenever he has something shitty to say. Yeah, that's all it is. He yeah. might have said that in five minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? But this is what happens with Mushnick. He hates Vince, hates wrestling, always has. What is his beef with Vince? Is there he like doesn't some, like him. Is there some source thing, though, that just, they got mad at each I other don't about? No, okay. he just thinks he's a shithead. And he is. Vince McMahon is a scummy he, person. He is. We, we know this. But it's annoying when you just have this guy that just that's like, all. it's like his mission in life it, to just like shit on this yeah. other person. It hasn't made a damn difference in WWF's business. Most so, people don't even know who Phil Mushnick is. Right. No so offense. Find something else to do. Yeah. But anyway, we get clips now of Vince saying that the more publicity they get, whether it's good or bad, the viewers increase. And and controversy creates cash, as they say. That's right, as, Michael. As the famous book said. Uh, we now get shots of Vince backstage at Gorilla, which is kind of cool, just sitting yeah. there doing his job. Rare for 99 to see mm -hmm. something like that. And through it all, though, Vince McMahon, we're told, is a survivor. And we're going to find out all about his nonstop money machine, the WWF. And now, August 1945, <laughs> Nagasaki, Hiroshima. August 1945, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. This, what was this cut? It's like, weird segue. It, like, it said, nonstop money machine, the WWF. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 1945, Dateline, 1945, World War II. The war is over. And now people are going to watch TV. That's what it is. This, this whole transition was like incredible. It's amazing. And I don't know if there was like a commercial in between or not. There it might just, have been, It just still. seems so like the way it was cut was just very weird. Amazing. Because it was like WWF sucks ass. 
After four years, the war is over, and a war-weary America turns its eyes to a new invention called television. However, in Pinehurst, North Carolina, Vincent <laughs> Kennedy, all my children. <laughs> Vincent Kennedy McMahon was born. His dad, Vincent J. McMahon, and his mom, Vicky, did not stay married for long at all. Now, Vince says most people think he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Uh, I wish that were the case. <laughs> he's kind of like bragging about how poor he was yeah, right now, you know? Well, I think he's proud of his accomplishments, right? Because, right. you know, he grew up in near poverty with a mom that remarried four times. Mm-hmm. That sucks yeah. if you're a kid. I, I mean, it does. I, I'm not saying it's good. You and I both come from, yeah, you know, divor- divorced parents. Shitty. It's not fun. Yeah. So four times, that's got to even be even worse. Yeah. Now, some of her husbands beat not only her, but also him. Yeah, with workman's tools. This is getting really dark. Also, we get, like, close-ups of wrenches, which is clearly just the ring gear, by the way. You you notice it was on the mat? Yeah, like, way on the nose here. With workman's tools, here's a wrench. Close-up of a wrench, screwdriver, and, like, like wire or something. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. But, yeah, that that sucks. I mean, to have your mom beaten and you see that and you try to stop it, you could be that blows. I'm yeah, not, it's not good. No. I'm, not, I'm not saying that, like, Vince had it easy. No, here. no, like, no. That's no. terrible. We, we totally understand that. Now, this led him to develop a philosophy, which was... If I live through the ordeal, if I live through the beating, then I won. So, I really took that as a child. This is really dark. It is, right? Like, if I could survive that, you know? It's like they're just setting it up like Vince is ruthless and this is why. Yeah, kind of. Basically. Kind of. So then they go over again how he had dyslexia and how it was very frustrating for him. And honestly, I never associate Vince with that. Seriously. I I always forget. You never hear about that. No. You think, like, it's actually, like, still tough for him, like, when he's reading or something? If, like, because that's, like, what the disorder is. Yeah. It's a hard when you're young, from what I understand. Uh, He went to military school, though. Because he had no reputation there, and he didn't have to resort to, in his words, physicality. Vince <laughs> shit ever. Physicality. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, he was court-martialed in military school for planning a coordinated <laughs> trouser-dropping on graduation get, day. Can you get court-martialed in military school? I would imagine the military has rule over it, it right? It's just very weird over, like, a prank. Like, what? It's very odd. Trouser dropping. That explains the kiss my ass club. Yeah. He's like, if I couldn't get this prank in as a kid, I'm going to get it in as an adult a million times. I guess he always had a thing for just people getting their pants pulled down, huh? He's like, pantsing. That's the funniest (laughs) shit ever. But however, the teachers were actually able to convince the military to drop the court martial. Right. So overall, Quinny's very grateful for the military. And maybe that's why he supports the troops on those one year, every your show yeah like, i mean let's get tory wilson in a santa suit for the troops or whatever he does layla it's real let's trot out like john cena to fight big show every year or whatever they hey, do that's got to be a fun fucking time to watch but oh like, god yeah. anytime john C- john cena and big show are like that those kind of wrestlers where it's like if it's just a fuck it match yeah like those are the two that it's like big show whoa big, like, two pros right john cena i'm a big hero yep. like it's just so goofy it's true yeah so now we're told that vince mcmahon would soon meet the man who would shape his life. We go to break, we come back. TV is a new thing, Quinn, and wrestling has a big niche there. And then some big dork in a suit tells us how easy it is to produce. Wrestling has a solid niche on television. It's sort of owned a night. And if you had a TV set, you clicked it on, you were going to get wrestling, you know, at least one night a week. And anybody could produce them. 
That guy is a big nice story. Hi. He's like, look at my bowl cut. I know about wrestling because I know about all the popular things in in pop culture right now. You watch Friends, like you know, like this guy Ross and Rachel, have, right? Did they have like something TV Guide like behind behind him? him yeah, yeah like some just random like green screen of TV Guide with his tan suit, like with his shoulder pads that are too big. I write the editorials in TV Guide. Like he probably does. Probably that's probably who he was. They don't say who anyone is. No, like I had to. No, well, Mushnick they do did they even say that was yeah. phil mushnick oh like multiple times like it's like wrestling historian phil mushnick oh, yeah. has, hates fucking vince or whatever they didn't introduce burt sugar no you're just supposed to fucking know that you, that's him well, you know, I know I mean, he's I know. legitimate in, know. in this time no he is he is yeah. anyway we now talk about gorgeous george and how big of a deal he was and you can't argue that he was but women liked him kids people that never cared about wrestling were tuning in it was perfect for cold war america okay calm <laughs> that's how they're yeah. right they're like yeah. it was so great yeah this this was the thing this is what people wanted to see yep people wanted to see the good guy win quinn and they knew who the bad guy was and people cared about all of this because of gorgeous freaking george okay we get it gorgeous george <laughs> they, they like won't stop with this because they, they're they're there doing it for this, a reason no but there's always this perception by the way that like nobody outside of wrestling fans know who gorgeous george is it's like they still like talk about him in sports circles to this day he's very well known yeah it's not very it's not like well a known. mystery no who he is he was very well known yeah uh, and then at age 12 Okay, so that'd be what, 1957? Right. Young Vince McMahon meets his dad again for the first time since he was a baby. As they show a photo of Jess McMahon, like, what? <laughs> they did. They fucked up. I don't know what that was. They like, I was so confused. They didn't show Vince Sr. No. They As they're talking about how Vince met his dad again when he was 12, they literally show, like, the one picture of Jess McMahon. So, yeah, the, the whole thing with the Jess McMahon stuff, too, is that you if that was Toots Mont, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> like, it's like, honestly, it was like any one of the Goldust Trio, like, because they're like very mysterious. There's not a lot of pictures of them. Well, because photography was just invented. They're like fucking Metal Gear bad guys or something. It's like it's like we don't know who they are, you know. So Vince Jr. wants to become a wrestler, but Vince Sr. says no. Become an accountant or an attorney, which I get. Right. You know that makes sense because if you're an accountant or an attorney, you could be a jobber on championship. That, you know, I thought the same fucking thing, but I didn't write it down. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. It's like oh, we could be like Steve Thunder or whatever. Paul Fisher. Yeah. Uh, but then he meets. At age 16, 13-year-old Linda Evans. In church? In church. That was funny. There was a beauty with blue eyes or whatever he says. Like, I know that he's only 16 and 13. It's only a three-year difference. But for some reason, it made me uncomfortable when he's like, she was buxom or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, okay. They were kids. Whatever. I know. Like, no, no, I know. Yeah. I know when you're, when you're kids, you're kids. But still. And it was like, wow. And then, you know, the choir stands up, you know, to, to <laughs> sing. And then I saw this statuesque, uh, uh, uh -huh. relatively buxom young lady, and I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> so he sat down in the pew, and he ogled this 13-year-old Linda Evans, and now we cut to like modern times where Linda is next to him, like laughing about all of this. Looking a spry 60 in 1999. I don't know what Aww. it is. Like, I know. I like She's like 50 there, too. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but she always looked old. I, she well, just ever did. Ever since we knew her, because like here's the thing: is by the time they like came to fame, like Linda and Vince both were like in their like forties or fifties, right? Like by the time Linda was showing up on TV, she was already like above fifty, right? Yeah. So she's like one of those people where you're like, was she ever young? Like because kind of, of because you're like you've only seen her old. Yeah. No, I know Quinn. I know. So they used to play tennis together, and then he'd get really pissed when he lost. She says. But five years later, in 1966... Yes, 1960... They're still married today, folks. Yes. 
They were 18. She was 18. He was 21. That's really cute, Quinn. Yeah, and listen, I have to hand it to them. Married for 54 years. That is kind of great. And I know uh, yeah, Vince has whatever his reputation, whatever, but they're still together. Linda, she, I, I have a feeling that Linda, if she didn't want to be with him, she wouldn't be. She doesn't need to be. She's no. like a smart businesswoman yeah. who like probably has her own fucking money at right. this point. Politics like, aside, whatever yeah. you think of politics, leave that out of it. Right. You know, because even before that, she she's probably smart. leave Vince anytime she wants. Yeah. You know? She, if, she didn't want to be with him. She wouldn't be. Right. I doubt it's like a front at this point. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt it. Especially I, especially now that they're both like in their 70s. Yeah, like literally. Like, so. So in a way, it's kind of cute. Whatever you think of their marriage, blah, blah, blah. 54 years is a very long time to yeah. be married. Anyway, Vince went to college for five years, had a bunch of random jobs, and then Nixon resigned. <laughs> and people were more cynical in the 70s, so wrestling sucked. The wrestling was in a down time. It was a pretty fallow era. In the 70s generation, just was, was given into other types of pursuits. Why did they even show that Nixon shit? Like, that? literally, there's just a jump cut to, I resign the presidency of the United States. Like, what does this have to do with wrestling? <laughs> what the fuck was- I, I, They drop a lot of this stuff in here, Joe, and I swear the only reason is just so that you get an idea of, like, what time period they're talking yeah. about. So they drop in a notable historical moment. True. So now, let me get this straight. Nixon resigned in 74, right? That's pretty right. well known, August 74. So we talk about how in 1972, Vince Sr. sent his son to Bangor, Maine, to take over for a promoter that he was having money issues with for six months, and of course it was a big success. Any of this happened? <laughs> like, I've I, never heard of like the Maine territory. And Maybe then, I'm and, wrong. And then the next thing they say, right? Oh, Joe, God. This, is, this is really weird, because so the way they say this, right, is like he went to Bangor, Maine, and while he was there... In 72, yeah. he was using videotape to ship his footage across territorial lines. What? And using TV in general. This is all out of order net. That's like 80 shit. What are they talking about? Vince Jr. doing stuff? Yes. And the way they say it is like he almost like he invented videotape. <laughs> he invented or videotape. Vince was crafting videotape. <laughs> and color TV, don't forget. Right, yeah. Uh, Bert Sugar now chimes in to talk about like the left coast and the right coast. The gorgeous George was popular on the left coast, California. For enough money, he would come to the right coast. I hate when people say that. It's fucking stupid. I know, don't do that. Like, just say east and west. What is so hard about that? <laughs> It's ridiculous. And then we get this really random shot of Bar- Baron Von Roschka and Ernie Ladd, and we're talking about the territory system. Notice they show them, and they're kind of being like, man, wrestling sucked ass yes, during it's like this. This grainy, dark AWA, I think, footage. Yeah. I can't tell where. Like, Maybe look NWA. how shitty it looks. Right, right like 16 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. We need JR with the map at this point. You know? We 100%. And then uh, Bill Mushnick. No. <laughs> Sam Mushnick. Sam Mushnick had um, whatever. Bob Goggle. <laughs> Always and, and, Bob and Goggle. down south. <laughs> anyway, Vince Sr. looks very Martin Sheen in some of these pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, he does. He looks like Martin Sheen. Tragically, it seems our time together as a species is drawing short. And life on Earth is about to end. Anyway, Vince Jr. thinks that the territory system sucks ass, and he wants to change it. So we've skipped ahead 10 years now. I, you wouldn't know by what they're talking about. Yeah, like, this Nixon. is in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then his dad talked about selling the territory. So Vince worked out a convoluted deal, they say, to buy the company. So wait a sec. They're talking about just that uh, loan, basically? <laughs> yeah, it's all was. With gorilla and stuff. <laughs> it's not convoluted. It's kind of 
odd, but the it's payback still, thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's just like oh, you have to pay us back in a year. It's a fucking loan. Like that's how it works. <laughs> There's always a term of a loan, right? Exactly. It's just, this is like a loan with the owners, the previous owners. <laughs> yeah. That's all it was. You don't borrow money indefinitely. Yeah. I don't think you're not supposed to. It's a one to. year loan. Yeah, it's a one year loan. He had to pay back Gorilla and Arnie and whoever right. else. Right. That's all it was. But anyway, his vision here, Quinn, was a worldwide pro wrestling franchise. As we get proud clips of 1983, which yeah. we know. Near and like, dear to our hearts. I'm pretty sure right? we probably have seen whatever that was. No, it was like Slaughter or something. I yeah. forget what it was. Yeah, we've seen it. Uh, modern Vince thinks that his dad never would have sold it to him if he knew that that was the deal. But anyway, Vince and Linda basically decimate the existing establishment. They run tapes in other markets. Yeah, just like they were doing in the 70s, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so confusing. They buy time. And they take over. Bert Sugar says something about Vince getting Raka when he took Antonio over. Antonio Raka, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember him in 83, <laughs> maybe in 73 when he was old, drunk, and sweaty, but not fucking in 83. <laughs> General, or whatever yeah. the fuck <laughs> that was. Still, <laughs> that was an amazing appearance. <laughs> horrible. Knock, knock. Who's there? Antonino. Antonino who? Anto never fucking do that impression again. General George Hack of shit. Anyway. Vince said, this, this is kind of funny. Vince is like, my dad would get the phone calls from his cronies who had their little fiefdoms. That made me laugh. Even Vince though, like, is like disdain for yeah. the territory system. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, however, according to Burt Sugar, Vince Jr. was able to succeed against these fiefdoms and everyone just watched him take over. What is he even talking? That's not how it happened. No, they tried to fight back. Yeah, horribly, but they did. <laughs> you like Super Clash? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like Watts tried to fight back. Oh, yeah. like UWF, you know, like yeah. all of them did. They it's, all actually attempted to. They started running shit in his area and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. The ones that wouldn't sell to him tried to fight. Like, I don't know what this is. The, the, <laughs> like, Burt Sugar's like, yeah, nobody. Nobody they, cared. They were all horrible. They just let him take it. Yeah, it's like, no. The yeah. ones that didn't sell, like, the ones that sold, like, Stu. Right yeah. Yeah, here, here you go. You know, yeah. like, whatever. He's maybe referring to that, but he's acting, he lumps everyone into it. Yeah. Like, like, it's like everyone just rolled over and died. And that's not what happened. They yeah. tried, but they just, they were trying in a pro wrestling way. And Vince obviously was trying right. in an entertainment way. But anyway, by 1984, only a handful of promoters remained. And then Vince is described in a very funny moment as a pompadour Patton, which is a really dumb. Who wrote that line? I don't know. Some intern. On the narrator's script or yeah. whatever. But like a pompadour Patton. Anyway, the WWF is rapidly becoming, Quinn, the only company that matters as we get a clip of 1991 primetime. This is very <laughs> chronologically confusing right now. Like, I am so confused. <laughs> but that was like a very weird choice. Like, of, very blatantly the clock tick yeah. thing intro to prime. It's, it's the, really strange. Like the live audience variety show era. Yeah, yeah. Perfect for 1984. Yep. Anyway, then girls just wanted to have fun, Quinn, and a lot more people paid attention you know, the usual Cindy Lauper story. Lou Albano is her fat dad in the mm -hmm. video. And thus, WrestleMania was born. Then Hulk Hogan wandered back in. Wait, what? Hulk was here before Cindy? Why is this all wrong and out of order? Like, all they were fine before this, like, last commercial break or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're painting it like Cindy Lauper came in and then Hulk Hogan. That's not... He was there for a while. I know. Now, the best part, Quinn... <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> the narrator says, is, "It's like his real name is Terry Bollet." Vince McMahon makes a star out of Hogan, whose real name is Terry Bollet. <laughs> the narrator thought that was hot shit, like bragging about knowing his real name or it's something. Amazing. It was fucking amazing. He's like, Hulk Hogan came in. His real name is Terry Bollet. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, like, 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 almost like they want to put a factoid on the screen, like pop-up video because 90s. Whose real name is Terry Bollet. 
Did you know his real name is Terry? Yeah. Did you know that? But anyway, he's very similar to Gorgeous George in the 50s, they say, with his blonde hair and his charisma. Mm-hmm. So Vince himself went to Minneapolis and wooed Hogan away, which uh, I'm sure exactly it went down like that. Terry, the stinks come with me. Get right. on the plane now. Yeah. Um, Anyway, more guys came in like Andre the Giant. Yeah, like he wasn't there the whole time (laughs) at all. Sergeant Slaughter, who came back actually in 83. Right. Jesse Ventura. Captain Lou. Right. Definitely there. Came back. (laughs) Yeah. He he never left. Captain (laughs) Lou is like one of the people who's been there since like the fucking... Since like 66 or something. Yeah, he was literally never left. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) However, it was when Vince was on vacation with Linda... (laughs) in St. Thomas, that he came up with an idea for the Super Bowl of Wrestling. Don't forget Shane was there. Yes, they, was they noted that. WrestleMania. <laughs> yes, WrestleMania. St. Thomas, the random detail. Yeah. Vince is like, you know, we came back from St. Thomas and, you know, with Shane and everything. And I had an idea. WrestleMania. Yeah, we, we just got we just got on the podium and fucking said it right after I got off the plane. And what did he say? He said something like that. He's like, it was like immediate. And I got off the plane and I went to our boardroom or whatever we called it. Yeah. And I announced it to everybody. WrestleMania. We come back from St. Thomas and I like the few people that we had then, you know, brought them into the boardroom or whatever it was called, the boardroom, and announced that we were going to do WrestleMania. <laughs> so March 31st, 1985. They almost act like that's like the next day. After yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, they got off that plane. Forward, got off the plane. I said there's going to be WrestleMania. And then the next day in MSG, we did it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's all like it's how it's like categorized or whatever. Now we have a very, this is an actual quote. The event that defined the WWF once and for all. Big, loud, star-studded, and over the top. We get the usual, you know, we mortgaged, Vince and I mortgaged everything we owned, you know, that whole thing. I'm still not sure if that's true. It it sounds like embellished. embellished. Like, it's like, I'm sure that they had some, like, backup in case, like, you know, they they have kids. They can't just, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) They may have had to go very regional for a while, though, if WrestleMania didn't work. Right. If nothing else. I think what he means by that is, like, the company specifically, not, like, Vince and Linda's personal money. Like, because I'm sure they would have not been paupers, no. Yeah, exactly. But I think maybe if WrestleMania didn't succeed, that they would have had to stay very regional and very, like, They would have had to scale back. Yeah, Yeah, for a while. But anyway, we get some clips from WrestleMania, the first one, which was beamed to 200 closed circuit locations and about 1 million people overall. Meanwhile, the narrator claims it's a sta- it established the pay-per-view concept while talking about how it was on closed circuit. <laughs> yeah, what? Was, they just, they mixed a little signals. Yeah. I mean, WrestleMania, the, the pay-per-view event that wasn't on pay-per-view. It was like so limited that it doesn't really, most people don't consider it a pay-per-view. Right, they're always referencing limited. that like the three people who got it on pay-per-view or something. <laughs> right, like, right, right. I know technically somebody's out there said, I, you know, I got it. Um, no, it was on pay-per-view, but so minor compared to the other Star ones. Tell or what, you know, one of those weird... Star Tell. I just making up shit, but... But we gotta be honest, Quinn. Let's, let's be fair to wrestling here and to be fair to Vince. 200 locations? Yeah, it's a lot for this. 100 million... I mean, 1 million people? Yeah. People can say what they want about how, like, he never was good or something, but he was smart. He did do shit. Yeah. It wasn't like Hulk Hogan thought even, of that. I don't even think NBC here was shitting on him for that. No, no, no. They were, they that's were, what I'm they, saying. They were like saying, no, this is like actually a good thing that he did. I'm kind of just giving him a nod here. Yeah. Like, wow, that's that's damn good. Pretty good. Uh, then we had Saturday Night's main event soon after because Dick Ebersol really liked WWF or something like that. <laughs> yeah, gotta give the Ebersol rub in <laughs> yeah. an NBC show. Love you, Dick. Because it's like, oh, we hired him. <laughs> yeah. like, so you should know who he is. <laughs> like, you know. Now, the, the rest of the executives were very doubtful about this wrestling, but the show did great. <laughs> 
how is that even a question in the mid 80s like at that point like they were popular already when when yeah. main event came on did they not see the mtv success did they not see like wrestlemania even, even locally because nbc is based in the new york area they didn't just turn on wor or whatever channel nine and, and just yeah. see like people hey people are watching this shit right you know? right yeah no i agree now some guy in a suit now says it was a very significant show here. I, this is very funny. Because kids would tune in to watch music videos, what? and once a month they get wrestling. Has he never watched SNL? That's yeah, not I, SNL. That's, also, it's not once a month. I'm so confused. <laughs> well, I, is he saying that, like, wasn't there a point? I, there probably wasn't, but wasn't there a point where, like, Saturday Night's Main Event was on monthly or something? Never. Literally never. It never was on two months in a row. No! Maybe they're referring to that. No. Listen. What the hell is this guy talking about? I have is no, my point. I, I'm just trying the to kids pe- turn in, tune in to watch music videos. I'm trying to piece it together, Joe. That's what I'm saying. Was there a point where it was like no. on two months in a row once? No, unless you're counting like the main event in February of '88 and a right. Saturday night's main that, event. That, that's in, all I can think of. That's, yeah, that was a significant show for young kids to tune in to catch music videos, and once a month they would get wrestling. Madison Ave then came a call with tons of advertising and we're told by some dork, another dork now, that Vince was a genius for recognizing the connection between TV and wrestling. It's a chill. I know. Everyone, that was literally wrestling's MO. They in said the 50s, it in the 50s. They right. said that. He didn't recognize it. He was just like the first guy to finally do something about it again. Yeah. That's all. Doesn't yeah. make him a genius. He said like, oh, we used to do that shit yeah. like better or whatever. Which makes and, him smart. Yeah. You know, like wise, but I don't yeah. know about genius levels here. Anyway, he uses profits from all of us to build new studios, do more pay-per-views and all that stuff, but he's about to take a fall that will threaten his freedom, and then we randomly cut to Shane McMahon <laughs> talking about... I couldn't believe just this. They had to throw this in. He's like, my dad said, fuck the government. And he goes, basically, the government. So we're back to Matt Lauer now, who is still a shithead. He talks about how the WWF was an unstoppable force. So is constipation. <laughs> then we get the obligatory fawning over WrestleMania 3. Burt Sugar wanders in to say it outdrew the Pope. <sighs> Always with that. They have to shoehorn that one in. Yep. It drew the biggest indoor crowd, including when the Pope came to Detroit. And I go, isn't that real? He goes, no, it's not real. By 1988, the WWF was making ridiculous amounts of money, and they were worth $100 million. Selling lots of videotapes in 88. Lots of tapes. I, I they, feel like that wasn't the time when that was happening. It was like by like 90 is when the real videotape boomed. I guess. They used that, and they showed like some old like VCR and someone putting a tape in to right. like show how popular they were. Did they show some Coliseum boxes? I swear. They I, th- I think they did, yeah. yeah. Now, in 1989, Vince McMahon shockingly told the state of New Jersey... That wrestling was scripted. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> that everyone knew that already. <laughs> he, he admitted it. Oh, what a dick. Modern Vince is like, look, we wanted to take this out of the dark ages and not pretend it was some pseudo sport. I How- get it. Uh, no, I do too. Yeah. However, guess who had a problem with all this? Uh, well, Phil fucking <laughs> Mushnick, right? Because he hates any- anytime Vince does anything remotely controversial, he chimes in, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> right. How dare he? Blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't be subjected to drug testing. His wrestlers wouldn't be subjected to drug testing. Plus, he wouldn't have to pay a tariff to the athletic commissions. Detective Phil here is like, he only did that so he wouldn't be subject to drug testing or have to pay the tariffs. Like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, everyone didn't want to pay the fucking tariff because it's a fake sport. (laughs) Right. Why are we paying an athletic commission to monitor it? Like, no shit Vince did that to not pay more money. Duh. 
It'd be like if like a Shakespeare play like had to pay the state athletic commission because there was dancing in it. Like you know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous if you really think about it, right? Like a Midsummer Night's Dream was right. regulated. Yeah, like some rinky dink like in local playhouse, off, like off Broadway, New Jersey Athletic Commission. Is, George like, Street Playhouse. It's like hey, there's a uh, there's athletic dancing in this. Fucking say. Yeah, like Mushik wandered in from the corner of the stream like fucking Toasty in Mortal Kombat to be like, Toasty, yeah. he only did that to not pay taxes. Like, yeah. duh. You know he's not a good person, right? Yeah. It's like, get the fuck out of we, here. We know. Look, why, at, look at him. Like, right, right. Look at him. Why else would he do it? Right. Of course it's about money. Of course, of course, it course is, yeah. it's about not drug testing. Yeah. What does he think? He's a sleuth? I don't get it. Anyway, we get random clips of Bobby Heenan in, in like the 70s getting backdropped, and then we cut to Bret Hart in 97, then Savage at WrestleMania 9. All of this happened all at the same time. Yeah, this yeah. is all the same time frame. Yeah, yeah. And basically the whole narrative, it was all awesome still as we head into the 90s. However, the one tough competitor that he couldn't quite conquer yet was Jim Crockett. Actual quote from Bret Sugar, the one pocket was Crockett. Like, very clever. The one pocket was Crockett. Well, what was that? <laughs> he really does say that. I, I, You know what I was surprised is that Burt Sugar's even aware of the Turner stuff. Like, it seemed like out of his wheelhouse. Like, he would have given up on following Vince by, like, 84. Right, like, that he maybe have remarked on the rise in the 80s because that was a big story. But yeah. nobody was, like... Wasn't a big story the competition between WCW and WF in like 88 or whatever. Not like, really, Nobody no. was even fucking paying attention when Turner... Like, I'm not kidding. Like, unless, unless you lived in the South, it wasn't really a big deal. I'm not an historian on that period, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it was that big a deal. But one day, Crockett, who was losing money big time, he sold it to Ted Turner. And we're told that until that point in 1988, the WWF was on TBS. <laughs> Which is not true at all at that point. Like, that <laughs> shit ended at, like, at WrestleMania 1. Like, yes! Like, literally the day of. Yeah. That was it. And it was only, like, for a year that he made content for TBS. Like, not that even. Why did they act like they were? There was some. They were like in bed together for a long time. He swooped in, stole a time slot, did content for nine months. No one liked it. He sold it to Crockett. Got the fuck out of there. That's right. all that that's happened. All, that's literally all that happened. He had nothing really to Crockett, do with Turner. We funded WrestleMania. Remember Pretty he much. says that in that w, Rise of WCW thing or whatever. I wonder if that's why Vince really did it. I think it is. It was just like a. It was a quick buyback. It got a million situation. Bucks, I yeah. Think. I think it was a million bucks he sold the so slot for. So he basically for. only held it just to hold it hostage, buff up the value, and then get the fuck out. Maybe. Like he kind of flipped it or whatever. Business-like decision, isn't yeah. it? So obviously we get the usual Ted Turner calls Vince. Hey, I'm in the wrestling business. You know, the usual. It's like the 300th time I've heard <laughs> that story. Like, I'm so tired. I know. <laughs> Every time. And, and, and Ted Turner said, I'm in the wrestling it's like vince in the like stern yeah, voice i'm in the wrestling business and i said that's great ted i'm in the entertainment business yeah, every time ever vince like thinks he's so much better than ted because ted's from the south ted turner founded like a television network like a massive one that was so big that yes that time warner got involved yeah, and, and then like, fucked it up merged it and all this shit yeah and vince is also from the south yeah Just north carolina FYI, or whatever yes. yeah <laughs> anyway an announcer, Quinn, unfortunately has been charged with harassing a ring boy, Tom Cole. Is this about Pat Patterson? Is this that? Well, or which, which one is this? Is this that, Mel Phillips related? It's Mel Phillips. It's the footboy. It's okay. Mel Phillips, but Pat Patterson was also right. uh, involved in these scandals. No one knows the real truth. People love to say they know. No one knows except the people involved what right. really happened. Isn't that? Yeah, I think we've gone over this before about how it's like very 
unknown. No, you know, I it's mean, like it's all speculation or whatever. Pe- like so people, so I'm sure people think they did this, and yeah. I'm sure some people think they didn't. Yeah. I'm not going to comment on but it. But people that say it with authority, like they know, like they're not yeah. just sitting at home on Twitter, yeah, wearing a T-shirt, yeah. You know, like they're like, no, Pat Patterson paid off people. Like, how do you know? Anyway, yeah. Tom Brokaw <laughs> butted in in 1993 <laughs> to tell us that Vince McMahon, the most powerful man in wrestling, has been indicted. He's got the possibility of nine years in prison, a $1.5 million fine, and the loss of Titan Towers. Uh-oh. Anyway, the overall accusation here is that Vince McMahon was supplying steroids to his wrestlers in a conspiracy to dispense steroids without a prescription. I doubt he was literally supplying them with steroids <laughs> himself. No, like, he wasn't like, let me reach into my cabinet here and give you some. Yeah, I always thought that that specific accusation was like very odd like you would have to how did they know that he had some massive like steroid business going on like zahorian that seems like yeah but just because it's zahorian right but like what what led to that assumption that vince was like running some ring or something wouldn't there be wouldn't there have to be a, a vast amount of evidence to yeah, prove that and there wasn't yeah now i'm not saying just for the right i just want to chime in real quick i am 100 percent sure because vince owned every single aspect of WWF right. that he knew what was going on. No, I'm not saying he wasn't aware and that even that he might have suggested to people that you take steroids verbally, but he didn't like give them the... He, he and you know why? Because the, the accusation was he said go to a doctor. Yes. Now you know why he wouldn't give them the steroids himself? Because he's covering his ass. Right. He's not going to take it's that just for legal reasons. Yeah. Would he have if he could? If it was legal, he'd be handing them out. I oh, he would have been a side you. business with Ica Pro. Oh, hell yeah. Like, you know what right. I mean? Absolutely. But it wasn't. Vince McMahon, like, as much as we like, he does a lot of shady business dealings. A lot dealings. of shady shit. I've never personally seen him break an actual law because he's very careful not to right he bends it he does as much as he can without he gets around it you know he doesn't want to lose his business pay for health care and all this correct like he has all these legal loopholes he's a shitty person but he always goes through the loopholes that's the that's the thing he He never he never gets caught doing the actual thing that's technically illegal right even though he's doing everything else around it you right. know what i mean exactly encouraging wrestlers to take steroids having the doctor knowing that the doctor right like of course he's involved right of course he is but legally he's not right and they couldn't prove it to a jury that's the thing like, that was that was the bottom line it was like well he technically didn't do anything illegal that's right. in the statute so we can't say that a like, moral sure unethical sure right illegal well, if they made it. a law that said you can't suggest that your employees take illegal drugs, then, then he would go to jail. <laughs> exactly. Like, so I'm not defending Vince. Right. I'm saying I think that he did every single thing up to be illegal about it. Every shady, amoral, almost right. ambiguous, gray, everything, just not actually do what they were accusing him of. Exactly. That's what I think, anyway. That's personally my thought on yeah. it, too, is that he did everything up to the illegal part. And that's why when Vince says here... I wasn't going to plead guilty because I didn't do anything. That's why he can say that with such brazen confidence because he knows that, yes, he suggested, but you can't prove that, right? Right. Yes, he encouraged, can't prove that. So he could say with confidence, no, I didn't do anything illegal because he knows he didn't. Yeah, because he he probably said to the lawyers, he said, this is what I did. And the lawyer's (laughs) like, nothing you did was technically against the statute. And that's the bottom line. That's the problem there. So they act like, by the way, they act like this was 92 for some reason, even though his indictment was late 93 and the trial was 94. Right. But we're using 92 for whatever dumb reason. Mm -hmm. Anyway, of course, Phil Mushnick wanders in again. Mr. Brain Surgeon here. 
to say Vince clearly knew about all the steroid stuff going on. Like, yeah, yeah. no shit he did. Right. But why does he think he's that's good? Not the, that's <laughs> not the charges. The charges is that he was running like a steroid ring yeah, or something. Like, right. <laughs> what is he talking about? Vince, uh, for his part, thinks Mushnick is an outlandish piece of crap. Yeah. And then Phil says Vince would tell them to go see Z- Dr. Zahorian. So Vince says the feds went through everything, every document, turned everything over, every scrap of paper, hoping to find something, money laundering, drug trafficking, cheating on his taxes. And what did they find? In Vince's words, not a damn thing. Nothing. That's because he's very good at covering his tracks again. Not because right, he's, he's a very upstanding person. Listen, we're, we, we have commented on things <laughs> yeah. that are, were very borderline illegal oh, that, he, yeah. that he did in the past. And we're not saying he's right or a good no. person in that way. We're, we're just saying, saying he's good at co- covering his ass. Yeah. We're also right. saying that in this specific case, he technically didn't violate Correct. what he was being charged with. Yep, and if he did, no one could prove it. Yeah. So there you go. So the government offered him a plea bargain, but he's like, fuck that. And then Shane again reiterates have the to fuck play. that. As we get a picture of Vince with his family and Shane's wife, Melissa or whatever. Marissa. Marissa. Yeah. Marissa Mazzola. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this all this negative publicity, Quinn, it did affect the business, we said, we're told. And yeah. That's true. We know yeah. it did. And then we see, just to emphasize <laughs> that, we see like a house show shot of Barry Horowitz taking on Owen Hart. Yeah. It looked like shit. See? Yeah. Look at this like, crap. Like for real. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a shot of 1999 Randy Savage and a bunch of random WCW clips from 98. Right. Anyway, the trial was only 18 days, and on July 22nd, 1994, Vince McMahon is found not guilty! Now, this is funny the way they frame this. They're like, he turns back to his company, and he finds it unrecognizable. Yeah, like, like are, he was like gone or something. For years. Yeah. Like, are they kidding with that? He was literally maybe away from it from what I've heard Bruce say, like maybe a couple of months at most where he wasn't focusing on it. So here's the thing, focusing. though. Do you think to a guy like Vince, like because he's such a micromanager, that being gone for for even like like a week to him, uh, it's like everything. He, he doesn't know what's going on. Like to him, it's like it's chaos when he sees it. Like the, I'm just saying from like I his know what you're saying, Quinn, yeah. but I think like in all seriousness, he was physically only not there for like a couple of weeks physically. Which to Vince is devastating. I know, but it wasn't unrecognizable. Right, yeah. Not, it's like, maybe just, in his eyes it was. Maybe, but they're yeah. just framing it like... Oh, I understand. It went yeah. down the toilet when right. it was gone, yeah, you yeah. know? Honestly, it would have been even worse if Jerry Jarrett funneled <laughs> info from Vince or whatever from prison. The, Remember that whole the alleged story? Yeah. Like, Vince had the backup plan. If I go to prison, pal, I'm going to, like, be in my cell and I'll call you every day to, like, tell if they should push Bret Hart or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell you if Sparky Plug should win or not. Yeah. Now, Imagine w- Vince micromanaging matches, like, individual Amazing. matches Finishes. from fucking pr- prison. Why would it be Jerry Jarrett? That's, like, the funniest shit. It yeah. would just be Pat Patterson. Right. Or Bruce. It, it's proven that it's not Jerry. Was- by the oh, way. I thought that was the no. I thought that was the weird fact he, out of all this is like Jerry Jarrett was going to be the middleman or something. He was just like a hanger on. He was lingering around in '94. Like everyone says that he stunk. I thought it would have been funnier if Jerry Jarrett was like a weird middleman to Pat Ugh. and everything. Like it should have just been Pat. Yeah. Pat could have handled it. Yeah, with like Bruce helping him. Yeah, they would have been okay. And they just kind of call Vince like once a week and yeah. a bunch of. What will you want to do or whatever? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, the big problem here is in the meantime, Ted Turner was such a big meanie for competing with Vince, you know? Right. Poor Vince. Yeah. Ted Turner signed all these wrestlers that Vince didn't want anymore. Boo this man. Exactly. Like, in all seriousness, Quinn, besides, like, maybe Lex Luger, who did WCW ever scoop up that Vince actually wanted to do something with? It's true. Ted Turner was like going <laughs> for the scraps. Like he was just tr- like, and it wasn't Ted Turner personally. It was like Ted Turner's was employees, Bischoff. like 
but those people who work for him that were supposed to run a company, they were just trying to get whatever they could get. Yeah. Like, I hate that they framed WCW like they took advantage or something. Like They're just doing what Vince did in the 80s. Yeah. Let's think about it, right? Real quick, another quick digression. When Ted signed Hulk Hogan, right? Vince wasn't trying to work with Hulk Hogan. No. He didn't want him at the time. This was before that WCW <laughs> tried to, like, steal people. Right. Like, I mean, they did later, but... No, they did later. When Vince uh, was with Randy Savage, right, and Savage didn't renew his contract... Which I don't blame him, because shit. they had him sitting at a desk all day. What's Ted Turner going to do, or, or Bischoff? Luger, same thing, working without a contract. And they weren't using Luger. They clearly didn't like him. Right. They were doing nothing with him in 1995. Yeah, literally, WCW saw an opening, and they said... Hey, that guy's free. Right. Like, whatever. And Luger, didn't Luger come to them because he was like, I'm out of a job yes. if I don't like... Like Sting roped him in or something. Remember, yeah. I was like, Bishop didn't even want him. Right. <laughs> Which is funny because Luger actually Aww. became so good in WCW. He became like actually one of their stars. He was great yeah. when they brought him in. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, it's competition. Right. What Vince he did the same thing. Right. You can tell me he didn't go to AWA and get Hulk Hogan. He's a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, ridiculous. It's like, how dare someone do what I did to all the other companies? That's what like, it is. You know? So I don't feel bad for him there. Anyway, uh, we go to war here on September 11th, 95, which is the first head to head meeting of the two shows. It's WCW's live Monday Nitro taking on WWF's pre taped Monday Night Raw. And then we get unfortunate clips of the billionaire Ted skits, which are called long running. I mean, <laughs> they were like three months. They felt like forever. I like that this is the era where they weren't like admitting that it was stupid yet. So like the narrator's acting like it's good. Yeah. They're, you know, oh, he did that. He oh, really, oh. oh, and he made really funny skits. <laughs> Like it, I swear, they act like this is like good. They, they're humorous about because it because we're we're not in the post attitude where we're, like they were like that was a piece of shit. Like horrible. even WWF like yeah. admits it was like really misguided. You know, like Jr. commenting like right. I didn't know what Vince was doing there. Right. Well, why can't I buy the WWF? McMahon strikes back, creating a long-running parody of billionaire Ted, lampooning Turner and what McMahon considers WWF defectors. Uh, Vince McMahon, a billionaire, says this was very personal to him because it's his life and it's very tough to compete with a billionaire. Again, yeah, that, that was crazy. Noted billionaire Vince McMahon, right? And then we get, right after he says that, we get an amazing hard cut out of nowhere. Yes, this is amazing. This is great editing. To Eric Bischoff out like of very nowhere. very 1999 where he has the buzz cut and the gray, gray hair. Yeah. It's real tough to compete with a billionaire. Doesn't that just bring a tear to your eye when you hear that? He's Look, not wrong. He's not wrong. I don't like Bischoff either for the record. He's right. a fucking meat salesman that happened to get lucky in wrestling. But I, I have to hand it to Bischoff for what he came from. Hell like, yeah, what, man. What he, what he was able to accomplish. But uh, he, he's uh, on the nose here. Like, doesn't yeah. it just break your heart? So then, of course, we talk about how Bischoff spearheaded the WCW. The WCW! Uh, and Eric says that Vince can say what he wants about Turner's money, but Eric Bischoff had to work on a budget that's probably a lot less than Vince McMahon's. So... Part of me is like, what? But also, <laughs> if you know the inner workings of Time of, Warner, of Time right. Warner, and you know that the department that WCW was like begging for money constantly, it might be true. And they would like make, they would arrange weird shit where like basically like so that Eric Bischoff, when he went to the board meetings, would look bad because his division was in the red, but yes. it was really in debt to like another division within Something the company. Like that. Yeah. So it's, and it was just politics, basically. Yeah. He also, though, he's omitting one fact, which is. Yes, WCW had a limited budget, right? But a lot of the big stars were signed directly with Time Warner, right? Remember, it was not with WCW, correct? Like Hulk Hogan, Hall Nash, all those guys that Goldberg, that Vince couldn't get until like 02. 
Yeah. It's because they still had those locked-in Time Warner contracts. Exactly. There was a lot of, like, if you look into it, there was a lot of, like, the way the budgeting worked was all, like, politics and stuff. So yeah. that, like, basically, like, when the head of WCW would go to the board meeting with the heads of, like, TBS and stuff. Correct. That, like, they would all angle and, like, it's all the same company, but they would make one look like they were in debt uh-huh. because they were in debt to the other division. It's, it's very like, weird. Yeah, it was very odd. It was very weird. So Vince's response to all this, because, you know, he ratcheted up things with the Attitude Era. He says, if anyone's criticizing what they're doing, why don't you just check out the ratings? Because a lot of America loves this stuff. And then the voiceover guy's like, but a lot of America hates it, too. Shut up. (laughs) What was that? I don't know. The editorial? Yeah. So we go to break and we come back where we're told that by the mid-90s, a lot of the WWF veterans are disgusted with Vince McMahon for the Attitude Era. Are they? Not really, but... We cut now to Bret Hart <laughs> sitting on a tiny stool in the middle of a ring in some empty room, and he's all like, you know, he took this radical turn with the sexual. They started going into racial stuff. They started going into sexual. I got to say, Quinn, a lot of the focus about the Attitude Era, it's always put on, like, the TNA, you know, the yeah. Sable, all that stuff, right? But, like, in all seriousness, the main reason the ratings went back is because of Austin McMahon. Yeah. That's the reason. 100%. That's what roped people back in. Yeah, it wasn't like, people weren't like, oh, Sable with the hand boob thing. Yeah, they're like, like that's that. nice. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no, that's what's, what's right. what people are, no, they're they're here because they want to see Austin beat up his boss That was week. the main yeah. draw. So as much, yes, the TNA existed. Yeah. Yes, the Godfather Very was a supplemental. Ca- yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the main reason was the storytelling, uh, right. The Rock, a lot of people like that. But anyway, we now introduce Bret Hart to this documentary. I'm sure this is going to be the usual rehash of Montreal. So Brett's like, yeah, I was being pushed out and I reached an agreement with the WCW. And pushed out hard. And when I finally reached an agreement with the WCW... And then that lady that went to graphics art school shown in the crowd in Montreal. <laughs> and you remember? I love Bret Hart, and he's the reason I'm going back to school. Oh, that's her, the graphics her art. computer arts! I, I hope she made it. Don't make fun of Bret! <laughs> yeah. Imagine she, like, works in Hollywood now or something what and if- does, like, graphic stuff. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, I'm at, But it's all because of Bret, obviously. It's all because of Bret. Uh, anyway, Bret was screwed, we know, as we get a recap taken literally straight from Wrestling with Shadows. Mm-hmm. They screwed me, the bastards, you know, that whole thing. Right. Then Vince walked through the hallway after Brett punched him, and Vince is like, hey, everyone hates me now, let's roll with that. As the narrator happily says, the evil Vince McMahon, (laughs) like, just all happy. Yep, so right after Survivor Series 98, we get a clip uh, with The Rock, that leads us into a bunch of Mr. McMahon-related evil clips, as now a new, really dorky critic comes in to say, the reason the ratings are up is because of Sable and The Godfather and The Sucket and The Val Venus, uh, the the (laughs) but mainly Steve Austin, and Vince says, you know, there's no question all of this shit is way over the top. That's exactly why people can suspend their disbelief and just right. have fun. That's a very Vince, you know. Yeah. Yeah, of course. He's not he's wrong. Been. No, he's not wrong. The critics, though, response to that is 15% or more of the audience are children under the age of 11. Fair. And they're saying Vince deliberately targets kids that are too young to know if it's real or not. Now, if they don't know if it's real or not, it's not Vince's job to tell them. Right. I'm just saying. Well, Vince already admitted it wasn't real anyway. <laughs> I know. That's true. <laughs> Very publicly. Even even the good guys and bad guys thing was like in this time. Oh, good guy. Yeah. Bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mushnick again pops in to say the reason Vince has won in the ratings is because his content is more vile. Oh, fuck Mushnick, by the way. It's enough. <laughs> I know. Like, you know why Vince won in the ratings? It's because WCW dropped the fucking ball on every single thing they touched. They dropped yep. the ball on Hogan Sting. They dropped the ball on Goldberg. They dropped the ball on the year 19. 19- it's just an accumulation of things. <laughs> yeah, right. They fuck up everything. That's why Vince won in the ratings. It's because right. WCW was worse. 
to be fair to WCW, they had an upper hand, but they just fumbled <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's why. Anyway, Suit Dork again says that WCW has to be cleaner because they have Time Warner. Yeah, sure, that's why. Didn't stop them in 99 and 2000. Yeah, Time Warner was still there as far yeah. as I know in 99. Yeah. yeah. Like, sh- the year that this is being made. Like, when WCW <laughs> attempted to go, like, low. Yeah, like, you mean uh, Dixie Carter, bro, that guy, Vince Russo? Yeah, yeah Vince Russo involved and <laughs> Judy Bagwell on a pole and... And, oh, and tits and ass, tits by and the way. Ass, yeah. They did that. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. It didn't true. work. You know why? Because that's not the only reason the ratings were good. It also is because it's like the WCW, like Disney version they of the attitude. Of you, just you, fucking suck. It's just because. Can't even do the hardcore division right. It's just because they have to, like, they have to over budget every single, like, that's that was always their problem to me. It's like they over budgeted, over engineered, yep, like, everything. The, the, the attitude era. Overthought everything. Right, exactly. And they couldn't execute. Anyway, Vince is like, look, we have a wide variety of characters. And we keep a lot of the stuff like Godfather and Val Venus on the 10 to 11 o'clock slot. Why was he bragging about <laughs> He's that? He's like all like, proud of yeah, that. It's, it's like, don't, don't worry, it's on, it's on at 10. No all, kids are up after all 10. All kids go to bed at 10, right? Like It's like the law or something. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. Uh, some new guy in a suit now, another suit guy outside, he says that Vince is wrong for thinking parents can stop their kids from watching or knowing about it because he's so good at marketing. I agree with that guy to an extent. Vince is very good at marketing, and right. because of that, yeah, kids are going to know. And if kids want to do something, no, their parents can't necessarily Here's stop them. Here's the thing is that I always looked at is even though they aren't market, even though they can say, and maybe maybe even in their real meetings, they're like, we're not marketing kids. This is for you know the the eighteen to thirty four audience, whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. They're attempting for definitely the teenagers. Pro- though the, pr- the problem is whenever the older kids like something, the younger kids are like, well, that's cool because my five year you're older than me friend thinks that that's cool your yeah, so, brother or something a brother or whatever right that's true exactly so it's like it's kind of like they're stuck even if they aren't directly marketing they in turn are that was always to me the perceived the, the yeah. problem that i perceived with doing that i mean it was a lot less kid friendly yeah no so, it wasn't there was a lot of stuff that went over my head yeah like you know what i mean and it's just the consequence of having something that's red hot popular. Right. No matter what, if it's popular, younger kids will see the older kids watching it Correct, and yeah. be like, oh, it must be cool because, you know, Brad watches it or, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Brad. Yeah. You remember Brad? Yeah. And then Vince has a very hilariously sarcastic, my God, that's horrible. The world is coming to an end. My child heard suck it today. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very Vince. God, the world's coming to an end. My child heard suck it today. Oh my God. And they've never heard it before anywhere, nor have they ever seen anyone use the finger. You know, is it appropriate for two to 11s? I would hope not. Mushnick says, yeah, fine, but why are you promoting it? Why is Mushnick so mad at Vince all the time? I mean, yeah, it was bad for kids, but honestly, just do your best to make sure your kids don't watch <laughs> That's it. That's all like, you can do as a parent. Yeah, there's a, plenty of other crap out there now, even with WWF as PG, that like you don't want your kid to see. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I know. I get it, I, I, I'm just saying. Like, no, I understand. It's just Mushnick is just like, what has the guy ever accomplished by just constantly saying this? Right. These are all things known to parents. We all, like, I you know, know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, that new guy in the suit is apparently a principal. And he right. says that this is negative, this television. And whether Vince likes it or not, the kids look at the wrestlers as role models. He's not wrong there. I'll yeah. give him that. He he's, he's right. Of course, we now have to go over the Owen Hart incident. And then a clip of Matt Lauer on the Today Show, like previously, like probably when like it happened. Recently. Probably recently. May. Yeah. yeah. Matt Lauer, a very moral person himself. Right, super moral. Yep. He's known Upstanding for his morals. Fella. Yes. He asks if Vince is pushing the envelope with this content. And Vince is like, no, I don't think so. But to merge this accident with Owen Hart, 
and the questions about my creative content are different. I mean, that's actually true. <laughs> yeah, He's that's not, not wrong there. That's a low blow to Vince because because the because the Owen thing was literally an accident, and it was a thing that was done in wrestling for years. You know, coming from the ceiling or whatever. Like it was. Like, you Which know, Vince brings up. He says, you know, Time Warner's company uses stunts like this too. Right. It's not like Vince was like. I want this to be dangerous. Like it, well, he, none of this was intentional. The Owen no. Hart thing is known was an accident. Everyone knows it was an accident. It was a terrible accident. Right. And whether you know? bad decisions were made, whether it should have been done or not, you know, I get that. Right. But to, to somehow take that and also throw like Sable's tits. Right. It has nothing into to the do. mix. It's yeah. like, don't cross paths here. Right. They act like WWF is like some sick maniacal company that that you know. Well, <laughs> I just mean I mean <laughs> as far as connected with Owen Hart, like is they're just concerned. throwing people off buildings, right? Exactly, like that's against their will, right? That's what I mean. I know that's all I'm saying. Yeah, WWF does great ratings. We're told, and Vince says, "Look, if the audience didn't like what we were doing, they wouldn't watch." It's kind of like now. Yeah, <laughs> he's right about that. If they don't like what they're doing, they wouldn't watch. Yeah, just like now, uh, just like the last like fifteen years. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> watching now because yeah. they don't like it. They, that's true. Yeah. And Vince, if it gets better, I'll watch it. Yeah, that's yeah. how it goes, yeah. right? Now Vince says all that matters is that people enjoy this form of entertainment. And then the narrator randomly notes that the logo was redesigned. <laughs> like as if that, it's like, and then recently the logo was redesigned on the top of it's the tower. Rough. It's all it's different and edgy, <laughs> just like this company. It gets very rushed here again. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. they're like all over the place. Yeah, because out of nowhere, they're like, it's a brand that stretches from magazines to CDs to perfume and a really shitty restaurant in Times Square. And then Vince says the internet is a big deal. Oh, we love the internet now. Uh, it's it's 99, be- so that's to be understood that yep. like nobody really understands. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, the internet, the internet's big. It's a big deal, the internet. And to be fair, I just want to say this about the early WWF.com. Yeah. That was a very popular website. When it, it first was. opened up, like people went to it a lot. So Vince was not like he was actually like on the pulse. No, he was. Like, and know? that was like a really bad website for a long time. That was the it problem. was. But people were like in the beginning, it was good. The people wanted it to be good. And to be honest with you, like I'm su- their web stuff today. I think it's actually really impressive Very so well for what done. they are. Very like, well you know done. Yeah. I mean? Yep. No, I agree. Uh, so anyway, we now get a shot of Shane and Stephanie. Shane says, you know, it's our turn now. Soon we're going to be taking over. Yep, that's soon. Exa- that's exactly what happened, Shane. You're it's definitely twenty years over. later, and Shane's not even the one. It's Stephanie, right. which is funny. And Stephanie doesn't even say anything. She's and just like, "Oh, I'm here." It's like Steph- it's just all young. It's Stephanie and the suck it guy. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. It's true. Triple H. My dad. My dad. Uh, back to Matt Lauer, who sends us home by saying that Vince is going to pass the torch. But it's a hot torch. Can he handle the heat? And it's not hot anymore. By the way, <sighs> it's that, not that, hot. And he's, and he's finally passing it off now after it's not hot. Just like Hogan in the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. It's not hot. And for Vince McMahon, that is a torch that sometimes burns too hot to hold. But as he's done his whole life, he says he'll endure the heat, the critics, and the criticism, and hold on even tighter. This whole thing, Quinn, was really weird, and I'm not sure what they were trying to accomplish, in all seriousness. I think they were trying to fill 45 minutes on MSNBC. I'm not even kidding. Because any time you want to make Vince look bad, which, by the way, isn't hard. Right. Okay, it's not hard. There's so many things that are immoral and bad that he does. But all they got to do is trot out Phil fucking Mushnick, you know? And I have no idea why Burt Sugar was there. Again, I don't know what the story was here, that Vince... Lived in a trailer park. Wrestling used to be a big deal. Then Nixon resigned and it wasn't. Vince got Cindy Lauper and then Hulk Hogan. Don't forget Nagasaki, World War II. Right. It was all related. No one liked wrestling. Then they liked it. It's really trashy now. Ted Turner also had a company and Vince McMahon has kids. Right. It went nowhere. 
Yeah. It was really poor. It's also they're catching it in the middle of the the story with WCW. By the way, it's yeah, not, they can't even like. There's no finish, victory yet. They, they can't even finish the loop, right? Right. It, it's just odd that they even made this. Mushnick <laughs> was so fucking annoying. It was all out of order. I guess it was interesting. Kind of. It was interesting, like seeing like the in progress attitude era, like, <laughs> yeah. like them like in a progress report on what we think of it as a society right. or something. And what's funny too, just for the record, I mean, yeah, it was like this for a few more years. But as a whole, in WWF's existence, and I'm talking about what's presented on TV. It not, was brief. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Vince the person is Vince the person. But as far as the way, like, the Attitude Era and the scantily clad women and all the things they like to harp on, DX was phased out by, like, 2000. Right. Like, so shortly two after years this. years-ish. Yeah. Um, the scantily clad women stuff, that was still going on. Most people don't think of it, but like into the ruthless aggression era, it was maybe worse. Yeah. Like Vince with Sable when he brought her, but like a lot of that. Yeah. But that all phased out around 05 and for good when they went G, very yeah. G in like very 2008, G. PG, whatever it was. Then it just became like costume matches or yeah. something. I don't know. But like this hard hitting attitude era was really like 98 to like 01, 02. Yeah. In the grand scheme of everything they've promoted and done. Yeah. It wasn't like this that much. I mean, this is a very brief snapshot. We're only like three years away from like big John Cena likes the kids troops yeah. stuff. Like, you like know a I lot mean? of things changing, right? Yeah. Like just they realized very quickly it wasn't sustainable. No. To it, be fair to them. And it went back to more just wrestling matches, you right. know, wrestling and, matches with colorful characters yeah. that appeal to children. Like, Younger children, younger children, that right? Don't so. do the the kind of crazy stuff they used to. Only in the most extreme cases when it's right. a horrible feud or and, something. And it's very controlled now too. Is yeah. the other thing, you know, like all the violence is very controlled. So I guess in a lot of ways, things have uh, improved. Yeah, from like a um, from the aspect of like what Mushnick was bitching about, they've cleaned up a lot of stuff. And Vince is not exactly again. I don't think of him as a moral person. No, I don't either. But I don't think anyone is pure evil, and I think he does have a, a compass, a moral compass. I do too. I think there are things Vince. I know it seems weird to say, but I do think there are things that Vince won't air. Like, I do for his own and, and principles or whatever. Yeah, and maybe the older he gets, the, the less of a, a point that is anymore. Because I mean, he's getting up there. He's 75. Or maybe more of a point because he has grandkids. So who the fuck knows? True. Like, who knows? You know? I do think that no matter what. You know, he's uh, he was instrumental in really shaping the way wrestling was promoted, right. presented, and, you know, there's a lot to be owed to him in that regard. I don't think he's had a lot of creative success uh, recently. Not at all. Uh, but financially, yeah. And then, so it just depends on what side of the yeah, point I mean, you're looking in the, at. In the more recent years, he hasn't really focused on the creative as much as building the WWE as like this... A brand. A brand that's it's Disney. Like, that yeah, it's just like if you want the wrestling, you come here. Yep. That's really all he is at this point. He doesn't care what they're presenting. No. He cares that it's like, no, we have to keep supplying wrestling. That's all it is. Yeah. And a lot of people would say that that's really bad. And I, I see that side right. of it from Wrestle, an artistic standpoint. Wrestling factory. The wrestling factory are. is what they are. No, yeah. you're right. They literally have the fucking performance center. I mean right. that's the wrestling factory. Uh but that said Interesting watch, and folks, we hope you enjoyed it along with us here as we have romped you through yet another episode and yet another season mm -hmm. of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Obviously, we are on a break next week. That doesn't mean anything to you. It means you just get an episode again, but it will not be a numbered episode. Yeah, it won't be numbered, but it no, will no, be no. something new. Something new to close out August. When we come back on Labor Day, we'll be kicking off season 20 with episode number 191. We got your questions and topics to open things up. A new Royal Rankings. Make sure you vote in it. And of course, we'll be reviewing stuff as we count down to episode 200. But in until next week, until next season, I'm Joe Morata, 
That's Michael Quinn. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. See ya. Michael Quinn, how you doing, Michael? Nobody can hear. Oh. Nah, fuck it. What? <laughs> the clock won't turn on. All right. Three, two, one. An unnecessary modified Vulcan. <laughs> it's a modified Vulcan nerve pinch. I've said that so many times. <laughs> Vulcan. Vulcan. I like that it's modified. Over at facebook.com slash. Hold on. I don't. I, I had one. One second. What were we talking about at the beginning? Clips. Uh, the great... Uh, Clips. The heat is on. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's going well. It's very well. Hold on. Drink that Coke. <laughs> okay. Is where? OVP podcast slash clip. <laughs> no, that's not it. Is where? Who drew number six? In one second, because soundbite crashed on me. One second. Always. <laughs> No, and it's been crashing today. I don't know why, but anyway. Okay. Number six. Uh, index. Spike is knocked outside. Chris Jericho. Chris? Yeah. Crispy Jericho. Cruz mentions that there's no mats outside, you know, because this is so fucking family. family fucking shit dick. 189. Yeah, don't forget I, I that. I just remembered. Have to remember. Yeah. Piece of spaghetti. Piece of spaghetti. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to do what this? What a piece of crap this <laughs> was. Horrible. It's amazing how bad this was. Horrible. Uh, Joe Merker. Merker. Joe Merker. Merker. Joe Merkel, our, our guy. Merker. He's our guy. Joe Merker. Merker man. The Merker man. The Merker man. The Merker man.